Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 265. I am Peter and joining me is, well, it's unfortunately not Matt. Matt was supposed to be on this week, but he got roped into overtime at the last minute. So we once again are recording this on the silly day of Wednesday. It is a very silly day. Work should stop giving me Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. But at the very least, it was a lighter week this week, so it wasn't quite as uh, chaotic as last time. But Connor is here, as you can hear. Yeah, yeah, thank God. I mean, can you imagine if it was that amount of bucks again? <laughs> it was definitely quite weak, uh, to the point where even having the like the 60-page Black Label book was like, ah, oh, this is fine. I don't even feel this. Yeah, barring the, the very real possibility that I missed a book, I think I only had four books. Yeah, no, that sounds, sounds about right. Uh, so... No, uh, later week, but yes, as a DC Comics podcast, we talk about the bomb, co- the, the bombics, the comics we read this week. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we have Batman issue 111, Green Lantern issue 5, The Swamp Thing issue 6, Suicide Squad, Get Joker issue 1, The Nice House in the Lake issue 2, plus we got some Patreon books. Uh, I read Animal Man 10, I don't know what Connor read. I, I read uh, Nocterra 5 and Harley Quinn 5. You read 2? Yes, because I owed Nocterra from last month. Huh? And I thought, while we're on a quiet week, I'm going to do two. And, you know, who knows how many weeks of the month I'll, I'll be here. Uh, what issue of Harley Quinn was that? Five. All right, well, there you go. Uh, it's yeah. funny because uh, Connor's getting the same treatment I got last month. And uh, uh, David, our patron, is making him read an extra Harley Quinn so it'll be caught up for the other person who's making him read Harley Quinn so he can read the new I, issues I, that come out. I do hope he realizes that there's an annual at the end of this month. So I'm <laughs> assuming that one of them wants me to read the annual. Yeah. You know, well, t- I, I was just assuming that that would be the next issue, but it probably is. Know. But I mean, David is a permanent patron, so he might just make you read Harley Quinn again next month, so you get the annual done. That's possible. Yeah. And then he can switch on to whatever he wants you to read next, or read me next, or me to read next. I don't know. Maybe he'll punish me instead. I don't know, David was back and forth a bit you know what he's like yeah yeah so that's what's coming up on the show this week uh so that's some interesting stuff in there we'll get into it uh there is at least one little bit in news but before we get to that everyone's favorite segment and every week the legions of fans the fan mail that comes in i i don't think one singular tweet counts as legions we've had many tweets many tweets many comments there's been uh, reviews on iTunes saying how much they love the Comicsology. Oh, you, you find one iTunes review that says that. I dare you. There's been people all over. And then literally the bag of mail that comes in, you know, the the, the, the old school handwritten mail saying... <laughs> Did you set up a PO box without we, telling us? We, just, we, just, for the, <laughs> just for the mail to say about the sales figures. We, we love the, 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 the Comicsology Top 10. It's the best part of the show. Everyone loves it. Everything else is just a dessert. The, the Comicsology Top 10 is the, the main course. Uh, so we'll start off with that. But again, keep in mind, it is Wednesday. It's a, a weird day again. But it's consistent with last week, I suppose. So uh, I am happy to say, though, that a DC book is at number one uh, on the Comicsology well, Top 10. If it's anything to judge by, I should hope so, because last week's Marvel books didn't count on the Wednesday. So I'm assuming that'll be the same again. It would, it would be yes. Uh, but this is probably the most likely thing that you could guess. It's number one. It is a Batman. It is. It is indeed Batman. Funnily enough. Mm, um, 
So Batman 111 is first. Uh, again, this is Wednesday night. Uh, so very different uh, parameters to normal. Uh, but there are a bunch of Marvel books still there, which, you know, I mean, we, we speculated last week about how it still counts previous days' worth of sales and um, how long it counts. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But I'm assuming these are last week's Marvel books. Yeah, yeah, they're all last week's. Uh, you got Sword Issue 7, Star Wars 15, Amazing Spider-Man 71, Ed Star Wars The High Republic issue 7, then Eternals. There's a lot of Marvel still here, quite frankly. You sound so confused by The High Republic, then. Because there's too many Star Wars books. Oh, no, there's not. Too many Star Wars books. Uh, Daredevil 32, Wolverine 14, Cable 12, and finally, another DC book cr- just cracks the top 10. <laughs> and that is Justice League 66. So, oh, Really? Yeah, I know. I don't I even like that. Uh, even you don't like that that much. I, I know, but you have a personal disdain uh, for the whole thing. Uh, Suicide Squad is in the, the low teens, as is Crime Syndicate. Uh, Swamp Thing is just the, the early 20s, as is Green Lantern. Interestingly, Superman's Son of Kal-El has also actually just beaten Swamp Thing, so that's actually had a good hold from last week then. Uh, it makes sense. Given that it's still in the, you know, dancing with these other books. Um, that said, all these Marvel books from last week are still here, but again, I, I don't know how the transition happens. Because clearly most of the DC books from last week have been bumped down. Is that is that to say that all these Marvel books all sell better, like, almost a week later versus DC books? Or is it once the new DC books come in, they kind of, like, stop counting X amount of days? I have no idea. I, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, who knows? They're weird. Because that would be worrying. If, if, if Marvel books from last week are still selling this well, uh versus, like... No yeah, like, imagine if books. this was just the, the, the last 24 hours, essentially. Yeah, if this was just the last 24 hours, this is absolutely dire for DC. Uh, but I yeah. speculate that that's not the case. <laughs> I, I would also assume similar things. Yes. So, and even if it does count, like, a full week worth of sales, that'd still be terrible. Because, <laughs> like, the DC books from last week should be doing much better than they currently are. So, I... I I don't know. Absolute chaos. Hopefully we're back to not being on a Wednesday recording next week and we can... Uh... Do you know what? No, I, I will defend the, the DC books from last week in the sense that if it was counting a full weeks of sales, all the Marvel books, it would be counting to Wednesday, which was their first, because it would be Wednesday to Tuesday, oh, which was said, their yeah. first day of release. The DC books, their first day, which is presumably the highest day of sales, is not counting anymore, so that'd be why they'd be so... Yeah. It could, you know, it could just be the full last week. That that could maybe explain yeah. that. I mean, admittedly, the new DC books are maybe a little underperforming compared to most weeks, but maybe it's just because more of the books this week are a bit more niche. As much as we love Swamp Thing and everyone should be buying it, uh, you know. I, I weirdly think when we do this on a Friday or Saturday, it's more representative because people have had a couple of days to buy their books and settle mm-hmm. in. Yeah, people maybe don't buy them till Friday because they're going to read them over the weekend, something like that, yeah. I can definitely see as well a lot of people not buying them till Wednesday because, well, you know, they buy they buy Marvel books so they don't bother coming to get the DC ones either until they get everything else and just do it all in one go. Mm. Many permutations here, but... Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, that is that. Uh, and then the one piece of news I've got, uh, this did actually technically, if we were recording at the weekend like normal, this would have been on last week's episode, but of course we recorded Wednesday last week as well. So this was later in the week. And that is a new black uh, label book, uh, a Batman book coming from Jock, who's going to draw and write uh, the whole thing. 
It's called One Dark Night, and it is your typical Black Label Prestige Plus style book, and it's launching in December. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I don't know if I've seen Jock Ryan anything, but yeah, you're giving me what three issues? I think it is. I'm assuming uh, somewhere like uh, three oversized issues at least. I'm sure they're oversized um, of Jock art. Yeah, I mean, the story can be mediocre, and I'm sure yeah. I'll still enjoy that. One Dark Night will be set during Gotham City during a blackout as Batman, uh, according to DC, is on the wrong side of town. So, I mean, so the title's got a double point. Obviously, it's spelt with the K, but it's actually set during a night where all the power goes out, which is you know, a fun concept. Yeah. So. I'm I'm cool with this. I'm, 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 this is a neat addition. Uh, admittedly, yes, the Black Label books are definitely a little bit skewed towards Batman. <laughs> there's, there's no denying that, and this continues to be the case. I think the problem is, one, Batman sells, so, I mean, as, as clearly evidenced. And two, a lot of creators want to draw Batman, you know, and want to write Batman, you know. They, they you know, he's popular for a reason. Pe- mm-hmm. People want to work on it, so, and, you know, he's kind of, free reign to do your wild Batman story that you'd never get to do in continuity. It would just be nice if uh, some creators wanted to do their Superman story or yeah, their Yeah, well, Flash maybe story. when Superman sells anywhere near as many copies, they, they'll be allowed. I'm just, you know, it'd be nice to, for some of the love to be shared around, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but yes. Hey, hey, hey. You and me, we're, we're all partially responsible for this because they put out a Superman Black Label book and we didn't buy it. Was this the Frank Miller one you're referring to? It, it, it may be. <laughs> Look, there's reasons why certain books might not do very well, okay? <laughs> yes, but they might see that as, well, Superman books don't sell. This is the equivalent of Hollywood going, oh, Electro-bombed, we won't make any female superhero movies for 20 years. years, so that, yeah. <laughs> That's the equivalent of that, but no. Kind of, yeah. Make, make a good movie, and it'll, yeah. it might do well. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. I agree. Uh, Just saying. Anywho, there you go. That's that's basically the the news. So uh, we can get straight into it then, pretty much. We can get right into the books this week and make this a maybe a tighter episode. So starting with Batman issue one eleven, James Tynan the fourth, and Jorge Menez, of course, on the art. Um, we're really ramping up to Fear State now. Uh, we had the big cliffhanger last issue of uh, Peacekeeper 1 uh, coming into the Insanity Collective, putting them all in danger, Miracle Molly included. That's kind of where we pick things off. N- not including, of course, the opening Scarecrow uh, tease with Batman. As we've, been, we've had in all these issues, but... Every damn issue with horrible lettering. <laughs> I have no I'm, problem. I'm, I'm dreading whether it's next issue or the, or the one after. I think it'll probably be next issue. I'm dreading a full issue of this lettering. I, I don't really have any problem with the lettering that much, but <laughs> that's, that's, you know, whatever. Uh, so, I had a lot of fun with this, actually. Uh, I think it's done a good job of ramping up to a big event-feeling thing. Um, it did the classic uh, transition cliffhanger, if you want to call it that. Uh, basically, to use another Batman example, you know Batman Begins where Loeb says to Gordon over the radio, there's no one left to send in cut and then immediately the Batmobile just flies across the river into the city or into the yeah. Narrows I should say uh, that's basically what happens here where someone says there's no one left to save us cut to full two page spread of Batman and his buddies coming through the window uh, you know they do that classic moment but that's 
It was just not a complaint. I, 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 if I'm into the story, I get pumped for that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's fun. And, and, and this is different because it's, it's Batman and Co. Yes, it's, it's Batman and Ghostmaker and Harley, which is kind of an odd trio. But, you know, it's fine. Um, and I also dig that we get a little sense of some of these Insanity Collective members in like because we know they've been augmenting themselves with like devices and powers and things like that. So it's kind of nice to get a little showcase of what some of them can do. Uh, the, the little girl's got the essentially a, a black canary esque device around her throat, which uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, I assume not too dissimilar to what Canary actually had for that years long period where she was powerless. Yeah, probably similar. Um, and they use that to great effect. Uh, you know, obviously Miracle Molly's got her fancy eye. Um, I think they did something really neat here where they're running from Peacekeeper 1 and out comes uh, Breaker, the big, you know, bulky, you know, uh, Bane-sized-looking dude that they've got on mm. their team. And I thought it was really neat here is that within, like, a page, they go, okay, break, you know, I think the little girl says, is Breaker going to be okay? And she's like, oh, he's got strength modifiers. If anyone can keep Peacekeeper down, it'll be him. And I immediately felt sympathetic because I knew he was going to lose. Like, it... it it kind of smartly immediately just made me feel sympathetic for the big guy because I'm like, he's go he's going to put up a fight, he's going to do the best he can, he's going to buy them time to get out, but he's going to lose. And, and uh, the panel sad. where we finally see that, because it's, it's not straight away, it's probably yeah. like five or six pages later. It's a brutal, like, punch to the jaw, and the way Jimenez draws it, you know, the the blood coming out of the mouth, oh, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, and, all, and throughout all this, while they're running away, the, 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 the smaller one gets shot, it's like, oh shit, we need help, we need to do and that's where we have the cliffhanger moment where it's like who's who's left to save us and in comes the uh, Batman. I will say there was actually a, a joke here that I don't quite get. Which one? And maybe I'm just overthinking it, but so so Harley refers to them as the Bat family, right? And then later in the you know, in one of the panels, she sort of reiterates and says, Come on, that was funny, Bat family, get it? And Maybe I'm overthinking this, but what's the joke? Because she's swinging a baseball bat. That's the joke. Okay. Yeah, that's her bat family. I I, I thought the I I, I thought it was trying to get a like because we obviously always refer to them as the bat family anyway. You know, Batman's group. But I I thought it was like might be like a meta thing where. No, no, one, no, and... she, she's, she's, her line's like, you know, you don't mess with the bat family and, unless you want to get hit with a, with an effing bat. Okay, okay, I was overthinking it, but. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I'm not saying it was a good joke, and I, I think that's kind of the point, is, yeah, know, no one reacts. But... Yeah, it's a shit joke, but. Uh, yeah. So, as this is all going down, Oracle's like monitoring everything, and uh, the mayor's starting to, like, make sure like batman's being blamed and being seen to be working with you know who they're painting as the terrorists of the city which is the insanity collective um you know and batman gets to make this choice where he can stay and fight and maybe take down peacekeeper but he has to evacuate all the people and he has to make the sort of the heroic choice of like not doing the, the fight um so it has this great sort of standoff moment where he turns back as they're flying away and in the, in the and it's not even the bat plane; it's a Ghostmaker's thing. And he sort of looks back, and there's a, a panel of Peacekeeper One with these masks kind of cracked, and it's it's very much okay. They're going to show down, <laughs> like it's it's there's not today, but it's happening. It's yeah. it's, it's going to happen. Uh, and then we get the big stuff, which is Mayor Nakano announcing that he's outlawing vigilantes. 
Um, he's given authority to the magistrate to to take them out, and uh, you know, so is this really like mo- moving all these big pieces forward? Uh, Simon Saints' plans all kind of coming to fruition. Um, and yeah, things are all working for him right now. Yeah, I kind of dig as well that you know when Batman's talking to them when they're patching up uh, the, the little girl. Squeak. There you go. I, know, I, I believe they're, they're, they're non-binary as well. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Sorry. Are they? Uh, I, I don't think it never explicitly says, but every single time it refers to them as them. Okay. Or they. So that was my assumption. Oh, fair enough. Also, uh, I, I, I like the, uh, you know, the, the gangster style name, you know, Squeak for the one with the big canary cry. Hmm. So, while they're patching them up, Batman is like, okay, you have to keep all these people safe because basically we can get them to testify that like Saint and the Magistrate are actually behind the initial attack that it was sort of designed to make them look terrorists, right? That they were set up in the first place. So there's kind of like a game plan, there's kind of like a goal of like how to like solve all this mess and like sort of take the control back of the city away from Saint and possibly the mayor. Uh, but he believes that Peacekeeper's going after Scarecrow and he's going to go and try and find Scarecrow. Uh, and this is where some of the best art in the issue might even start to creep in, is him arriving at this, you know, at Arkham and all the monitors watching Batman enter the building. That, that green glow is some of the best colouring around. Like, you know, just the, the way it, it feels so... Uh, it's not na- natural in the sense of realistic. You know, this, this you know, harsh green light. But just, you know, the way it hits the the, the surface it's on, either the floor or whatever it is, just oh, so good. Yeah, um, and but if I, have, if I have one story complaint in this whole issue, if I have one story complaint, it's just, just how dumb Simon Saint looks a little bit here, when he's like, hey, our plan's working, he's talking via hologram to, uh, to Scarecrow, and he's like shocked when Scarecrow immediately says, no, we're not going to like t- calm the city back down so you can have a peaceful control. No, 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 no. I've never felt this. This this fear that I'm feeling is like second only to like wartime. And even then I'm about to surpass that. I'm, I need to keep going. <laughs> up, up, up. More fear. <laughs> <laughs> Scarecrow wasn't trustworthy. What a shock. Oh, man. I have to say, though, that full page of uh, Scarecrow like needling uh, Peacekeeper one in the head with like ten needles <laughs> at the same time. I, I can't so look good. at that page. I have to like tilt my head down <laughs> and only look at the bottom half. I, I mean that's great. Although I have to admit the following page actually overdoes it or, or, or tops it, I should say, uh, because obviously it's the idea of this is what Peacekeeper's seeing, and we get this like monstrous scarecrow whose mouth has become like a vortex or something. And oh, it's incredible, isn't it? The colours, you got the green behind him, which is kind of coming from the glow of the TVs, and then the purple coming from his mouth. And obviously it's all the ideas that the, the green obviously is really there in the world, but his mind is manipulating it into just being the backdrop of, of this. Yeah, but it looks like a truly horrific, like, Lovecraftian thing that, that you know, that the Peacekeeper one's imagining here. And Oh, man. Yeah. It, it's rare to see fear gas done you know, justice like this. Yeah, and I actually forgot about this, uh, just because it's such a small moment at the bottom of this page, but uh, Simon actually starts, like, coughing up whatever he's been drinking, the idea being that someone's, you know, Scarecrow or whoever, or someone working for Scarecrow has poisoned him. Uh, mm. So, we'll come back to that, and I don't expect him to die from that, I expect it'll, 
end up being okay, but uh, oh, definitely. Let's feel we, like we know he's around move. later, right? Yeah, although I'm still kind of in this place of like future states a possible outcome of everything rather than an actual. It is, but I think there's going to be more of a harder turning point away mm. from. Whereas, like up till now, everything is still leading towards that, and we're not at the point of turning away from that until probably after the you know the event arc that's coming up. Yeah, and then you have the fun stuff of Scarecrow being like, "I know you're there, Batman. <laughs> Stop pretending. <laughs> Just show yourself." This uh, I do love this design for Scarecrow. Oh, it's great! I I love the the hat. I love the sort of the cloak and the. Almost the the just the the wood splinters and branches coming out of the the back of the. It's so extra, but I'm really feeling it. The the stuff on the back, mm. even oh, just yeah. the actual like the, the gas mask look of it though is is kind of just so different. Yeah, so then he sort of like sets off his little trap, which sort of like caves in the the skylight. Batman comes tumbling in, and the cliffhangers that he's he's finally there, and Scarecrow's got him down in the ground. Uh, and it says next fear state, so we're we're getting into some proper fear state stuff. The actual, I, I imagine it's like a prelude issues next time. It is because uh, September is all the tie-in prelude stuff, and then I think October, maybe it's August, and maybe September is the start of the actual event. But the actual event starts like a month after a month of the prelude stuff that's in other books, and that's not this. It was month. always then, basically. Yeah, but that's not this month. So the actual event if you want to call it that doesn't start next month it's the month after at least but right. uh batman's still double shipping though right it switches to double when the event starts oh, okay because it's single shipping yeah, yeah for some reason i thought i had another issue before but never mind yeah uh so yeah i, su- I suspect it'll be fear state prelude next issue and then foot the full swing uh month after uh i'm looking forward to it uh, we've been building to this pretty solidly for well, I mean, kind of the whole arc since even since the start of this year with the actual, you know, fear state, future state event, like, you know, because that was like you know the the Gotham corner of it. So I mean, we've kind of been building towards this for a while. Yeah, and I think you know, as much as I enjoyed some of the future state stuff, I think the actual main story and the main book since it came back has been even better. So I'm actually really pumped, and I think I think. It's done a great job world building, including all these new guests, not guest stars, but supporting characters, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and making me care just a little bit, like making me care about the one getting shot and the big guy getting beat down and, um, you know, American Wally feeling like more of a, a proper ally at this point who might actually be there for Batman when he needs her kind of thing, as, as opposed to, you know, you know, if anything, the weirdest it ever felt was when it's, okay, he's doing the matches Malone thing and they're sort of setting him yeah. up till it comes in. I do think, like, supporting cast has probably been the strongest point of Tyne and Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's developing a whole bunch of characters that kind of people can use wherever they want. You know, like, so you've got Miracle Molly, we've had a uh, uh, Clown Hunter. Um, oh, God, I'm completely forgetting the one. The, the, the first one, the big one. She was the villain. She's in the backups in the Joker book. Oh, Punchline. Punchline. Thank you. The, the, the first one, the big one, didn't give me anything. I'm like, well, that was the one that kind of has has more of a life outside of this book right now. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, you know, Ghostmaker as well, which, uh, I mean, we like less, but, I mean, yeah, still. I've liked them all to varying degrees, though. I, I don't think any... I mean, Ghostmaker is the only one that I don't kind of like that much. Uh, yeah. 
the rest of them, uh, you know, Clown Hunter, Punchline, Miracle Molly, like, they've all been varying degrees of, like, oh, I, I like these characters. I'm into these. Mm-hmm. And Ghostmaker just feels a bit try-hard, and the, the whole retcon into the backstory is the biggest issue yeah. that I kind of have with them. But, eh, you know. Uh, very good stuff, though. I, I, I'm i feeling the build to this, and uh, it's been nice to be looking forward to Batman uh, every month. It's it's really solid monthly superhero comics, right? Yes, and I I think this is something that will it'll be even better again in trade. I think when someone reads this for the first time and it's like the six these six issues just one after the other, it's going to flow really well. Mm, I bet it will, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been pretty consistent on the art as well for the most part. Because I think uh, which which always helps for that stuff. Oh, of course, but I, I even think like those opening scarecrow moments that'll be sort of thing that even plays better when you're reading it in trade because. It'll feel like you're checking back into it at a regular pace, as opposed to you wait a month and you go through a couple of pages before you get to the, the main mm. story. When you're just jumping back to that for a couple of pages every 20 It might pages, be more enticing of like, oh, I what think next? So. Yeah, I, think I can see that. I think that'll flow a little bit better that way. Uh, Alright, what are you giving Batman 111? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid 8. Oh, I'll even one-up you a little bit and go 8.5, I think. Uh... Really good stuff. So, uh, I'm digging it. Green Lantern issue five. Jeffrey Thorne writing, Tom Rainey, Marcus Santucci on the art. And this actually shook things up a little bit. Uh, still two halves, still two stories. Uh, but the Joe story, which is not a Joe story, because it just focuses on Kelly. Because Kelly, the end in the last part of that story was Kelly storming off when she heard about uh, Sinestro and Corrigar. So the first half of this story, instead of the second half, which has typically been the, the, the Joanne or Kelly half, uh, the first half is Kelly's section. And it just, it goes to Corrigar, and Sinestro's had a night with a couple of alien ladies. Uh, a complete playboy that he is. And this, this issue does a really nice job of selling how powerful Kelly may actually end up being when she can actually control and understand her powers and the the, the lantern she's manipulating because she basically like because at first i wasn't sure what was going on it was kind of like sinestro's getting out of bed the the planet defenses are kind of like starting to like fire off little ships and things out of the sky and it looks like there's a cthulhu s monster but it's green and i'm like okay and it's one of these things where i didn't quite remember what the cliffhanger last issue was and then when I see Kelly's in the middle of this big giant construct, I'm like, oh, this is just Kelly. Oh, <laughs> this is Kelly coming to basically do a, a one-person invasion of Corrigar. And, like, doing a pretty decent job, you know, destroying a bunch of their ships. Uh, a bunch of yellow lanterns come up um, to, to fight her. And it, it she does this neat thing where a lot of her constructs are actually characters that she's interacted with since she was introduced. So she makes a giant construct of uh, Starfire, of um, uh, oh god, what's what's the Jenny Hex? I was trying to remember her name. Uh, and she makes a giant construct to uh, John Stewart at one point. It's a really neat thing, and she's fighting their big yellow constructs. Sinestro's not really moving himself yet; he's kind of letting it play out. But as this is all going on, there's actually there's narration from a yellow lantern, um, and we don't see until the very end. When she's actually like basically Kelly's won the fight against the yellow lanterns that came to fight her, but then this yellow lantern who's been talking shows up, uh, and I don't know her immediately. She's got like a hood, uh, 
this may be someone if I'd been keeping up with like other Green Lantern books the last few years, <laughs> I might know who this is. But it may be it also may just be a new character. I don't know. Uh, Matt would have known. But she, she's she's younger. She's you know she seems like a sort of I don't teenage, but kind of a younger uh, Yellow Lantern who does win against Kelly because she has this. Uh, she basically gives her like a fear, like moment where she puts her hands up to her head it makes her feel fear and Kelly remembers like her friend dying and kind of this horrible memory and it kind of wipes her out and wins and it's kind of like Kelly is, actually has a lot of power at her disposal because of this, this lantern and this glove that she's built and jerry-rigged but she doesn't really understand how to control her fear yet or how to use it um, her rage was strong like you know, she, she was coming here swinging and did a pretty impressive job for what it was uh, and then, like, a, a mech suit Green Lantern arrives, and then, you don't actually know who it is at first, I don't think, uh, until the Yellow Lantern refers to him as Simon, and you realise that Simon's, like, grabbed this mech suit, because obviously he has no lantern ring right now, none, none of them do. Uh, it says, I'm taking her back, and she's like, yeah, t- take her away now, like, there's no need for us to fight, take her away before the other Yellow Lanterns show up. Uh... Fun, fun sequence, like, it, it kind of sold me, I kind of I kind of cackled a little bit when I realised it was Kelly leading this uh, one lantern war against the entire Sinestro Corps. <laughs> it was actually kind of a funny little realisation. And then, like, given her how this moment is shine, setting up this other yellow lantern to be more of a recurring character, um, I probably should have checked DC Wiki, but, you know, it never occurred to me to do so. Um, so, it's it's a fun sequence, and uh, that's kind of the end of this this issue, where it's just that Kelly's still unconscious and Simon's taking her away. Uh, so, you know, solid stuff. Um, it's, it's something that I was kind of getting at when I was talking about the Flashbook last time, is that it's really nice to have just solid B-tier Green Lantern and Flashbooks. Yes, but I love A-tier Green Lantern and Flashbooks? I would. But I am enjoying these books uh, and what they're doing. Uh, the second half of this issue is back to the John Stewart stuff. And despite the fact that he saved everyone from Slavers last issue, they're all kind of bickering and whining because they think John Stewart's to blame for bringing them here in the first place and they're kind of right John even shows up to this town meeting and says yeah it's kind of my fault they're only here because of me but they're coming back so we have to evacuate uh, and convinces them all to let them like sort of take all the solar panels and sort of power up their old ships that have been like derelict for years and years um, what I thought was interesting in terms of mirroring these two stories to make them feel thematically similar was that we had narration in both that wasn't by the main characters uh, the narration in the John Stewart half was actually the younger alien uh, who's like mainly been interacting with John Stewart. So it's kind of this looking up in awe kind of thing. And not that's what the same as the first one, but the idea that both stories are narrated by someone who's separate from being our main character, someone who is, uh, I don't want to say minor, but someone else. So they're both from different perspectives uh, to give us a different sense of the, maybe kind of the, the impact that this Green Lantern crisis is having on everyone over the all over the the galaxy and everyone sort of seeing these different elements of it, but they actually get off the ship. They evacuate in all the ships. Uh, John Stewart and some of the aliens who are on the same ship as him, they go to. Uh, I don't know if I actually says specifically. I don't think this is Oa. Maybe it's Oa. Maybe they just go to Oa. But uh, Salix there, um, and they all thought John was dead. They're happy to see him. The ones that are here. Uh, except one actually who who punches him in the face and says, "Where were you when you were needed?" And I'm like, "He was stranded on a planet with with no way of getting off." It's just, it's not really his fault. 
in this case, I don't think. But you know, whatever it is. Uh, but the the end of this story is that they get a distress call. It seems like Kilowog is in a very similar situation as to what John was in, and that he's stranded on an alien planet, and he seems he seems to be hunted. And this this makes a lot of sense because it was set up last issue that these slavers and bounty hunters are going around killing you know the ex Green Lanterns because they're vulnerable. Um, so it ends with this distress call, and it says next time rescue missions. So it seems like. John's going to start to kind of rally in the, the 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 core to like go and rescue people, even though they have to do it via more traditional like we have to get spaceships and we have to go and be just like sort of normal space soldiers now, as opposed to the Green Lantern Corps. So, uh, again, I thought this was a fun progression of, of like things. Um, the art, particularly in the John Stewart section, still has the big head problem at times. Uh, there's one particular one where he's like sort of like making a point as he's walking away from the meeting and he's sort of looking over his shoulder and his head looks so much bigger than it should. But uh, it does have kind of a, a a pulpiness to it, which I don't hate in, in terms of an overall kind of feel. So uh, yeah, really solid B-tier stuff again. And I know that sounds like faint praise, but uh, like I, I'm happy with a solid B-tier book that still feels like it has continuity and it still feels like it's building to something and it does feel like it's building to something. It feels like Thorne has a has a overall run in mind and where all these things are going. And it's playing with different parts of the Green Lantern, you know, methods and different characters who are spread out across various places. So this idea that John might become the best Green Lantern leader that he can be or has been in a time when none of them have Green Lantern rings is a really interesting concept. And something that I think you know, that moment where they all get lantern rings again, that moment when they have that power again, is going to feel like a big deal, however we arrive at it, uh, and I think that'll be kind of cool. Plus, everyone loves Kilowog, so showing him in jeopardy at the end is a pretty decent cliffhanger. We expect he's going to be fine. We, they're going to get there, they're going to save him, but it's a good character to want to go save, because we all care about Kilowog. So, whereas if that, it, didn't, didn't, didn't they kill, like, a relatively popular lantern off-screen, like, last time? Sure, I read an article about that recently. I can't remember off the top of my head. Fair enough. Um, I mean, maybe they'll do a shock death, but the the, the point is though is that people like Kilowog, and they'll be rooting for the characters to get to him and save him. Whereas if this was Guy Garner, everyone would be like, ah, whatever, get there or don't, you know. <laughs> no one would be like that except for you. Get there or don't. It's not a big deal. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, so, not good stuff. Um, as per usual, I think the John Stewart half is the slightly less interesting half, but I think it got a bit more intriguing by the end of this issue because he is reunited with some of the other Lanterns, and it's going to be about more saving the other Lanterns who are being targeted by these uh, slavers and bounty hunters and whatever else. Uh, but, damn, like, the idea of like, everything that Kelly and Joe are doing now being more connected to the Green Lantern story and them being the ones who actually still have powers has really given them a, a spotlight. Uh, and not just because the color green's involved here, but it really, it's making me think over and over again about that episode of Power Rangers where they all lose their power rings except Tommy. So the Green Ranger has to be the hero, the sole hero. It's kind of like that, where these two newbies have to step up and kind of like prove their worth. Uh, and it's super satisfying when that is pulled off. So uh, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, I will give this a very happy 7.5 out of 10. There you go. The Swamp Thing, issue 6, Ram V writing with Mike Perkins. 
on the art. And, How are we uh, over halfway through this book already? That is kind of weird, yes. Technically, if it only has 10 issues, we're over halfway through. Um, and as I expected, this whole Suicide Squad crossover is not... I, I mean, I'm sure there's been some Swamp Thing-related things mentioned in Suicide Squad, but you don't need to read Suicide Squad. All of all of the relevant things are in this. It's fine. <laughs> I will say it does probably make this the weakest issue of the book so far, because there are, you know, multiple points where we're focusing on the Suicide Squad side of things. Yeah. And those are less interesting. To a point, I, I, I kind of dig it though, is this weird demented version of Predator where the Suicide Squad are going through the jungle looking for Swamp Thing. Uh, I get it, but I got to the end of this issue and I was like, oh, oh this isn't over. Like, uh, I felt like I didn't get my full dose of Swamp Thing because I was like, you know, half the issue was reading Suicide Squad stuff. And and again, uh, you know, it's not really terrible. Like, you know, it's still good. Like, it's still really good. But I felt like it was the weakest issue by a reasonable margin for me. Um, I mean, maybe that's true. I I don't know if I would jump onto that as quickly, though. I think this issue does a lot of really smart things. Obviously, Mike Perkins is back, so the art is gorgeous. All the forest stuff is, you know, the jungle, mm-hmm. rather, is really, really nice. Um, the forest. And what I, what I dig about this is that Levi, effectively, so what they've done is they've actually dropped a lot of toxins onto the, the forest before they've came down. The idea being that it'll weaken Swamp Thing in the forest around them. Uh, so, you know, Levi's narration as he's sort of been reformed, and this is in India, this is back kind of in the the, the same forest that he was in with his brother, and as we see in this issue, because he remembers what Alec Holland said to him, is that, you know, the, the green at its core is basically this this memory of everything that's ever happened. So he kind of reaches out to the memory of the green. And it's also his own memories, which is kind of interesting. I, I like the idea that he's kind of fusing his own personal memory with seeing the exact truth of what the memory is, because it's because the green doesn't fade. Because you know, human memories, over time, they kind of like, they fade a little bit. You remember the important parts. You don't remember every detail. It becomes a bit more obscured over time. It's just natural. I like the idea that the Green has this perfect memory, though, so he kind of taps in so he can experience these moments again in his life. So he he remembers being on this trip and seeing his brother again, and they were up, up in this forest and looking at... We used to come up here and swing on this tree, and we used to look out at the out at the city, and we couldn't tell whether the lights of the city ended and when the stars began, and, you know, all these things. Really solid stuff. And it, it's... For me, the way where this went, because then the second flashback... Uh, that he looks at is when he actually sees his father again back at the house because yeah. uh, his father's still alive here of course and his father's asking him questions about what he does and it seems like he's here to obviously do this deal for his company which sounds the implication I got is that it, it at least in part will take away some of the forest this land deal whatever it may be it will involve taking away some of the forest because he's talking about oh this place is special it shouldn't be touched it's billions of years old yeah. but, all that stuff uh, but this idea of like the importance of this place as as an ecological entity, uh, the importance of this place. You know, we talk about how the, the mud's important. We all come from the mud, and you know, Swamp Thing in this issue literally reforms out of the mud, right? But this idea that this issue is also tapping into personally what this place means to Levi that he seems to have forgotten. You know, when he's here in this flashback, he's like, he's sort of like just shrugging it off and going, ah, oh, you know, like. This is a big deal for the people here. It'll be a big, you know, boon to the economy. It'll be a big boon to the industry. But we see the the flashbacks of you know his own memories of this place, and it obviously you know was important to him. Yeah, 
so it's it's kind of mixing the the real history of this place, and it's not not that his history is not as real as any of the rest of it, but the idea of this personal attachment to it, and hey, you've got memories here too that is important that shouldn't be tarnished. That um, yeah, and, and then the, I think as I was realizing that as I was reading that the idea of the Suicide Squad or Amanda Waller okay just like dropping a bunch of toxins to try and make it weak like annoyed me <laughs> on like a at a at a level I was like oh you bastards. <laughs> Very, uh, it's very Amanda Waller, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it's very, obviously it's a little bit topical in there, you know. Uh, environmentalism, of course, is like sneaking in here, uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, but you know, not only was I getting predator vibes from the idea of them hunting, this team of badasses hunting them through the, the forest, but also at one point when the heat wave finds them and tries to you know burn them, he jumps off a waterfall, and that literally happens in Predator. Arnold jumps off a waterfall when he's running from the Predator. Mm-hmm. So, this is Wait, better though. Whoa, 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 whoa! Predator's what one of the best action movies ever made. So uh, that's not. It's it's a solid seven at best. You shut your filthy mouth, okay? You shut it. It's fine. Uh, and unsurprisingly, the most interesting member of the Suicide Squad here, um, might be Parasite because he he sort of wanders off and starts doing his whole thing. Maybe it's just because the art from Perkins just lends itself really well to more monstrous characters. But there's kind of a tease of like, what's Parasite actually doing? What's he feeding off of in the forest? Yeah, he he's got something that's you know, it is something's drawn his attention. And, you know, so we see him feeding on it, but like, what what is it? Is it you know some sort of you know ir- irradiated thing out in the forest? But yeah. it, it, he seems to be aware of the green. He's feeding on the green energy, perhaps. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see what because if anything, Parasite's the one that will give Swamp Thing a mano-a-mano fight next issue, right? Because he's the one that could, can theoretically yeah. be that big and strong and all the rest of it. Because uh, the second flashback, of course, comes when he's in the water after jumping off the waterfall, and it's the water kind of reminds him of the rain of that day and talking to his father. Um, oh, the, um, the page in this, though, where, you know, it's about his you know childhood and stuff uh, mm-hmm. in, in the forest. The art on that page is just sublime. The the sequencing and the way it goes through, it's probably, it might be the best page in the book, just from a, an art perspective, even though there might be individual moments that are like, you know, more, you know, uh, to taste. I think this is the most impressive piece overall as like a, a tapestry on this page that he weaves through. I think, because I'm thinking about the page before that when he's talking to his father, is his dad's drinking tea or coffee. And, um... It's India, it's tea. Sure. I don't know what Indians drink. <laughs> tea. He said that as if it's just such common knowledge. It's India. It must be tea. It's pretty common knowledge, and he even says tea. Does he see tea? Uh, well, I wasn't looking at the dialogue at this moment, was I? Um, look, I I refuse to believe there isn't Starbucks everywhere in India. I mean, there probably is now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. Um, but anyway, the point being is that there's a moment where there's like a shot of the uh the teacup right and the the, the rains get into the water and i thought it was just a kind of nice little subtle visual of the idea of like everything being part of the same system and the idea that he doesn't seem to care that rains went just into... picks it up and drinks it anyway yeah he doesn't care because it's all part of the the flow of life as it were it's just more mm. water so who cares um i, I don't know i thought it was a nice little nice little touch given the idea that you know swamp thing at its core is always about how the green's life, everything's connected, it all's recycled, all that, you know, the life cycle of things. But, you know, it's, it's always been a part of the the, the DNA of Swamp Thing. Uh, Definitely, yeah. So, um, 
but sure enough, he gets up in the water and mutates. Um, they're all kind of converging on this uh, river where he is. Heatwave's waiting for him. But the final page, of course, is Swamp Thing, full monster size coming out of the water behind Heatwave. To be I appreciate all the, all the panels of him just down on the water before in a very human body. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like, I think it's like the first time we've seen him as a human in this issue, not in the flashbacks. He's, he's, he's kind of got a human face at the start and when he's like in the veins, like sort of forming out of it, but only partially. It's kind of like a, a bit of a mix. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely laying like unconscious mm. as a full human body first and then the vines grow around him and he just, you know, becomes the Swamp Thing. It's a really nice transition. Yeah, um, that, 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 pa- that panel at the bottom of that page where he sort of turned, almost looking right at us with the red eyes. When he's, yeah. still, he's still mostly human. He's got a few veins around him, but he's mostly still human. So yeah. it looks quite intimidating. It's it's, very, it's almost um, it's almost a Michael Myers esque setup and turning, looking at the the, the victim. It's kind of it's it's really creepy. I I really like it. It's a nice, it's a nice build to that final page. Um, yeah. So uh, he he looks you know full swamp thing. Oh yeah, he's full. If anything, he's more than full because he's got all these extra branches coming out because he's ready for a fight. Yeah. Uh, so. Really, really neat. Obviously, the Suicide Squad are going to not not be aware of what they bargained for. Um, yeah, I dug this show a lot. Um, I, I didn't necessarily feel like... I mean, obviously, the Suicide Squad are there, but I, I, I think the the stuff of them trying to figure out where he is and looking for him, uh, and them, dis- them disrespecting the forest, you know, Heatwave's quite happy to just start burning shit down. <laughs> like, oh, I'm shocked. Left and right, you know? Uh, I, I, I don't want to sound too negative because I still think this is a really good issue. It's probably a great issue still. Um, and the Suicide Squad stuff, like I say, it's not bad. It's it's entertaining in its own way doing this stuff. But it, it's not been... For me, this wasn't the same level of, you know, philosophical Swamp Thing existential crises that every other issue of this book has been. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it being a little less yeah, extreme yeah. on that side. But I, I, I thought it was really well told. I thought it was gorgeous. Uh, it still kind it of alluded to a lot of the themes that it's playing with, with the character and him kind of like... Because again, the, the character's whole story is that he left where he's from. He left his family. And the idea of him... Forgive the word here, but, you know, reconnecting with his roots <laughs> is a big theme of his story and his character's journey. So that's... It was literally in the forest where his roots were planted. You're making it really hard for me to forgive you. <laughs> what are you giving Swamp Thing issue six? Uh, I think I'll give it an eight, just about. But it's a, it's a soft eight, I think. Soft eight, okay. I, I'll give it a rock hard 8.5. Rock hard. So that is uh, the Swamp Thing issue six. Suicide Squad get Joker issue one. Brian Azzarello uh, with art by Alex Maleve. This is one of these things where I'm, I looked at the list of books and went, okay, that's that's kind of the maybe because it's the black label book. It's kind of extra. But I'd forgotten Maleve did the art, and I, I looked mm-hmm. at it and went, oh, it's Maleve. Oh, oh dear. I, I guess I'm reading this. <laughs> I have never gone through. You know, as I'm reading an issue, every so often I'll I'll catch myself like I'll. I'll ruin the flow of what I'm reading. It doesn't matter how good it is. It'll, it'll happen every so often. I'll catch myself being aware that I'm reading. I'll be like, oh, this is, you know, this is good, or, you know, this is not so good, you know, whatever. And 
I'll almost be kind of forming a sort of score in my head already, just at those points as I'm reading the issues. Like, oh, if it continues on this, this will be an eight or so on. I have never gone up and down so much doing that in a single issue as this book. But at, at, at points, I was like, oh, this, this might be a nine. Other points, I was like, this is going to be a goddamn three. <laughs> can, I, can, okay. I, can, can I make... So obviously, the art's not going to be a sore point. The art is gorgeous throughout. Yeah. Uh, that, that pretty much goes without saying. Uh, Jason Todd, as a sort of reluctant like leader of the Suicide Squad, because they're sending him after Joker, also I actually think it's kind of an interesting story choice and kind of works for the character. I think this might be something coming from DC Editorial, given we've got the uh, yeah maybe the new you know the Suicide Squad zombie whatever it's yeah. called. But yeah, so okay with that. Can I can I make a prediction and say that uh, one of the elements that you thought was maybe a little, shall I say, forced? in the book was directly referencing real-world events from about a year ago. Or, well, not be. a year. January-esque. Y- yeah, <laughs> January yes, that time. is not a year ago, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no. A lot's happened this year. It feels like a year ago. A long year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, it starts talking about the insurrection in January and how uh, Whale Dog was there and was in full support of it. <laughs> I am. Um, like, I knew... Joe, I, I'd seen these... The the well the first couple of panels of this stuff before, uh, like like a few weeks ago, because obviously like you know preview copies whatever went out for review mm-hmm. and these things leaked, and uh, the creators of of Wild Dog were extremely unhappy that their character has been used like this without any you know asking of their you know blessing and nothing. They were like, no, that completely betrays the point of our character. I'm not surprised because even I'd sort of did a double take, especially since like I, I've not really read that much whale. I've I've seen them pop up here or there in comics. My main exposure to Whale Dog, I imagine, like most people, is probably Whale Dog on the Arrow TV show, which is not a good show. Just uh, get that out of there. But it was just so funny because I'm so so used to him being Latino. Yes, no, I, I get where you come from. Uh, I, I was like, so he started saying all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, I, I guess Whale Dog's white in the comics. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> that's the sort of thing as well. It's like you know, I guess. people of our rough age come and start reading like Green Lantern, and it's Hal Jordan. They're like, "Who's this white dude?" Because <laughs> they grew up with you know John Stewart on the cartoon, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a similar thing. Although obviously this is not a legacy character in the same way that is. This is, I, I believe, just meant to be the same person. Just you know, they didn't account for it in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is super weird. It is super super weird. Um, I just, I just it's, it's the same thing with uh, John Jones. A lot of the others, you know, he's white before not that long ago in the comics, I think. Yeah. I mean, John Jones could be anything. So it's just. It, it could be, but between obviously Supergirl and that stuff, and he, even going back to his, his appearances on Smallville, uh, you know, every, you know, pretty consistently as, as, as a black man, is like, that's just, you know, who he is now, right? Yeah, we're just kind of used to it at this point, and I mean that, that's that's fine. That's whatever. It was just kind of this this weird moment where I'm like, oh, I, I never realized Whale Dog was white. I just assumed that the character in the show was cast to match the comics, but obviously not. Um, so that was like a weird thing. I'm like, okay, all right, I guess I guess we're, we're painting Whale Dog as this type of person. Um, I, and I have no problem with comics like sort of alluding to or thematically bringing up 
like conflicts in the real world. I have no problem with that. I don't think I like them actually using an event and speaking about it like it just happened like earlier this year, like in context of the continuity. It just it feels really weird to me. I think this technically gets away with it because it's not a continuity book, right? So this could be set. Oh sure, theoretically. I, 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 I don't mean like it's it's in mainline continuity. I'm, I'm not because like, no, I know it's no. not. I, I just mean in any context. I don't think I like a comic book unless <laughs> unless it's like super satirical and everything in it is like real world. But this is still the Suicide Squad. This is still Jason Todd who grew up with Batman. But we still had that insurrection uh, in Washington D.C. in January. I don't know. It just it all feels a bit weird. Like you're mixing very specific things with the like I, I don't even i don't like it when the usual presidents I, I would rather just have a fake president i just it feels better to me it's a comic book yeah. you know i uh, have president you know william sadler or, or whatever <laughs> you know i, I it's just it, it, it did take me out of it because all this because immediately i started thinking about the real debate and the real issues rather than thinking about the comic book it took yeah, me no, out I, of the comic I, i'm saying and then i'm like why is wild dog like this you know like it's, it's that 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 whole prolonged section is definitively not good. Yeah, no, because uh, I, I like the stuff before that. I like I like Amanda recruiting Jason and Jason sort of like struggling with the decision to like you know take the job or not. Um, I think mm. that stuff's fine. That stuff's all entertaining and solid. Um, I like uh, meeting the team, kind of. Yeah, like going through them all. Not yeah. entirely sure where this version of Silver Banshee is meant to be from, based on the accent in the, uh, the, the I dialogue. Was, I was thinking that as well. They're clearly writing an accent for... It was like... It was almost like Cockney. <laughs> yeah. like almost, it, was, it was almost like imagining like, like a Vinnie Jones voice. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, obviously, they build up to Harley as the, kind of the, the big superstar, who's obviously the safe one. Although, it's a Black Label book, so maybe she's not safe. <laughs> I mean, she could... They could just easily kill her in this. Yeah, if they want to. No no problem, right? I mean, after all, Firefly beats it at the end of this issue, so, I mean... Yeah, it's only Firefly, though, isn't it? Probably get away with that mainline continuity if they really wanted. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's be honest, there's like six more of them. So they do do, they do implant the bomb in uh, Jason's neck, although they do point out that it's not a bomb in the traditional Suicide Squad sense. It's more of a, ah, it'll just kind of, like, boil your blood from the inside and you'll erode. <laughs> I actually quite like this, the idea that it completely just destroys any trace of what they are, who they were. There's no, like, DNA records left for mm. them to be identified by. It makes, that, sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that they wouldn't want it, it to be tracked. Yeah, yeah. but that entire helicopter ride with uh, that conversation, uh, it, it just, I don't know, it felt really awkward, like, oh, we're going to put, like, topical issues into the book, but it's just so blatant, and it's not... <sighs> I don't know, it, it feels like we're going to have a character who represents those type of people, but we're not actually, I mean, maybe by the end of the story, well, maybe like there's going to be an arc here, maybe Whale Dog is being set up to have a really gruesome death <laughs> that most people will enjoy, maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but know. then that, that, that kind of sucks for Wild Dog fans, doesn't it? It does, no, it does, I mean, Whale, Whale Dog's been thrown under the bus here, there's, there's no denying that, and I don't really care about Whale Dog that much, so I'm not... I, I feel bad for his creators, though, you know, like yeah. those, those people who you know, worked hard to create character with some legacy, you know. Pe pe people know who Waldo, if nothing else, because like I say, he, you know, it was a character on Arrow for, what, probably four years, five years? He's done it for a while. To then have 
this be what people will associate with Wild Dog going forward? That that's got a sting. It's weird. This is. It feels like Azarello's been a bit edgy. Without. Yes, Azarello would never be edgy now, would he? <laughs> but without any like sort of like finely tuned craft to it, it's just. There's just the, the 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 comic just pauses for like four or five pages to have this conversation, rather than it feeling like naturally part of the story or the yeah. the, the ongoing events. And then it was followed by another moment I really hate, where they decide to quote the Suicide Squad movie and not the new one, not not the one that's just come out, the the shit one from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Where they do the we're bad guys, remember? And even I think I think. If I'm remembering right, that was Harley's line in that movie because it was in a lot of the trailers. So, so she like smashes open the window and just steals like a purse or a baseball bat or something. And um, you know, and, and she's like, "Yeah, we're bad guys." But and and the way it's drawn here, the guy's like, "Oh, we're bad guys." Remember, you know, hands up, saying it to Harley, and it's like, like mocking. And I'm like, "Why are you mocking that movie here?" Like, it, it, I don't know. It just felt weird. If I remembered the line from the movie, maybe I didn't notice that, but <laughs> I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure I only remember it because it was in the trailer. I, I, it was the ending no, I, I, of, I, of a lot of the trailers. I remember the moment in the trailer, but I never, it never even occurred to me when I was reading this that there was dialogue from that movie. Yeah, here. and I was like, why? Why is that here? Why are you doing that? Because I think a lot of the rest of it, you know, like they meet up with Toy Man, who's going to like deck them out with equipment. He's I got like his robot car dog. Yeah, he's got a robot car dog. He's got like uh, other like robot pets that he's got around that are like surveillance drones or whatever. He takes them in his ice cream truck to a place where they think they've seen the Joker go in. Harley goes in, try to settle a score, but of course it's a decoy. It's some poor guy who's had his face sewn up and has a Joker like outfit and mask on. Uh, and then chaos ensues. Big fight scene. Uh, the Suicide Squad run out. We do get a glimpse of uh, Mimi's powers with the like the parasite style face. Meow meow, uh, right? Meow meow. Yeah, Harley calls her Mimi. Harley yeah. calls her Mimi. Yeah, which yeah. I think I think that's easier to say than meow meow. So Mimi, I mean, probably. But I, I thought that looked really good and kind of cool. Um, oh, it does. I love the mood. It, like it, I, I love the feeling of them being in Gotham. Even just them sitting in the back of this van, all, all the dark shadows. It just it's got a good moody vibe to it. But that's Malieve. That's just Malieve doing what It Malieve is. Does. There's a point where um, when they all burst into the bar and all all draw the guns. There's a fantastic panel of all the guns being drawn on everyone. You know, until the and and it's all just in these clicks sound effects that that makes up the panel. I just th- I just thought that looked fantastic. Just as a moment. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Jason calls Amanda Waller, and basically, Toy Man's got a lot more intel than they do about what this is about, about how the Russians might be, and this is, and I didn't mind this as much, it it bothered me a little because of the previous political talk, because it felt like it was attached to that. On its own, I would be okay with the idea that the Russians are paying off Joker to create chaos, (laughs) And, and, you know, the idea of that being an allusion to Russians, like, you know, messing with elections or... or that, pay- that is enough of, okay, no, you can reference real world, yeah. you know, events, implications, and you know, uh, parody it, almost. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's a comic book parody, essentially, of something that has been talked about and, and you know... As opposed it, to four pages on, oh man, that thing that happened earlier this year. Yes. Yes, whale dog took a shit on the desk. <laughs> that, 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 that's literally a, 
things in this book. Um, and the funny thing is, is that the premise is so Amanda Waller seemingly gets killed here at the end because uh, Joker shows up with some goons who are dressed like the four friends from A Clockwork Orange, and he quotes A Clockwork Orange, uh, spouting yeah. ultra violence and whatnot. I'm not sure how I feel about this Joker. The way you know when he bursts in. I just like I don't know this this design, not the outfit as well, but just like the the face that you know the hat. I, I don't know, not feeling it. Well, the hat's part of the outfit. It, it is, but like I'm not feeling it in general. For, for, um, you know, I mean, well, I'll I'll see what it looks like when he's actually got the. Uh, the I, but I actually thought the Clockwork Orange references seemed to work for the Joker. He beats Amanda Ward to death with a with a crowbar, I think, or something similar at least. Uh, just like I think it's he... the the cane that he's, yeah. he's got as part of the outfit in it. Just like he killed Jason, of course. Um, but the, the 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 you know the big reveal here, the big cliffhanger, is that Joker has the the phone or the device that can set off all of their bombs, and to make a point, just immediately kills Firefly, who we see sort of burst into flames, and then is just like a pile of bones on the ground, and they're like shit, we're screwed. Because the Joker can just kill any of them anytime he feels like it. It's a good job he had like a, a flame resistant outfit to like leave it there to to be an identifiable body, isn't it? It makes sense. Firefly would have a free. It, 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 it does. I was saying. <laughs> so I feel like Waller overlooked something there. Um. Yeah, you know, it could have been someone cosplaying as Firefly. <laughs> Sure. That's possible. Because I actually really like the cliffhanger. I think this is actually a really fun idea for a story is that all of a sudden Joker has control of the Suicide Squad and they're going to have to try and What's... find a way to get, get him like, to lose What's that What's he going to try and make them do? And yeah. obviously they're going to try and get to him before he you know, kills them all. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they even mentioned Pebbles, who's, I think that's the character who said the line from the movie that you uh, were complaining about. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we, we have a fairly interesting roster of members most of whom feel that they can be killed especially since we're at continuity i mean amanda waller just died so i mean they're all fair game <laughs> yeah i mean whatever at this point right yeah if anything it would surprise me if you know joker and jason die at the same time as they kill each other at the end and that's the end of the story is everyone's dead i i, I do feel like the story is coming down to everyone's going to be dead and it's just going to be jason versus joker hmm Harley will be last to go, though, if that's the case. Harley will be, like, there till almost the end. Probably. But... Especially because she's the only other one with personal beef. That's, this was a very easy read. It looked gorgeous. I like the plot. I like most of what it's doing with the plot. It's just that shoehorned-in political section where it just outright starts talking about a real event just was so distracting. And I'm not... And let's make this very clear. We We are in full support of comic books talking about issues and and using comic book medium to explore topics and ideas and have something to say if they feel they want to get like a, a moral across or something they feel passionate about. I am all for it every single time, right? We're a very liberal podcast, but this was just this stop and actually reference the real thing for five pages. It was weird. It serves no purpose except to make you dislike Wild Dog, which you're just like, I mean, he's on the Suicide Squad, it's fine. You don't need to like him. Yeah, but this is like a real world. Like, I would much rather he like punch a child in the face in the story to make us hate him, and then have like have enjoy him watching him explode later, than yeah. do, do, doing a very real thing, which is a really real thing. You know, a thing that we all have a very strong opinion about one way or the other. So 
making me want to watch him blow up is like kind of uncomfortable because it's a bit more like akin to like does that mean i want everyone who feels that way to blow up that's what i mean like the idea here is okay we're supposed to hate him and it's supposed to be really satisfying when when he inevitably snuffs it now are are we is that supposed to be like a stand-in to our feelings for people who were actually you know the inspiration are we supposed to go oh yeah they should all burn up like firefly here and we're gonna take satisfaction from that that feels a weird leap yeah especially since obviously we we both uh very much you know disagree with those actions and want everyone involved to get their comeuppance but that comeuppance is not being burned alive from the inside because we're not savages yeah you didn't even burn witches alive from the inside I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird disconnect. But I think that's why it's murky because it, it, it's it's trying to put these these traits onto a character in a comic book story, where it's trying to manipulate how we feel about that character. But because we have very strong feelings to people in the real world who feel this way, and we have very strong feelings about how they should be treated, about how their actions shouldn't be tolerated, the idea then to link that to how he may end up going in this comic is a really weird disconnect that's uncomfortable because you're mixing... Because when I'm watching a horror... When I'm watching Afraid of the 13th and I'm rooting for teenagers to get slashed and diced and, like, put yeah, through wants teenage to rares, and dice. right? That's not me actually wanting real people to be sliced and diced. But when you connect that to, like, a real group of people who I have actual legit problems with, it makes it really murky because you're you're kind of mixing my fantasy, you know, comic book story, movie story... Like, oh, characters, it's okay to kill characters in that because they're characters, it's fine. Have some fun with the with the chaos and the carnage. Yeah, I, I, like, we we obviously want those people to be punished. There, there are punishments that don't involve brutal deaths that, that we would be quite satisfied with, I think, personally speaking. I, you, know, you know, I'd be so bold as to speak for both of us here on that one. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, put them in a room and, like... So what we'll do, we'll get Connor to read his Star Wars, Star Wars fanfic on tape, and we'll just play that over in the loop. And let you them think I've ever written fanfic? You can go write some fanfic, I'm sure it'll be great. By the way, you think I can write anything that's more every, than a paragraph long? Every single story ends with them defeating Palpatine, and every single next story starts with somehow and Palpatine returns. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation oh, ever just somehow he returned every time <laughs> no 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 no. You're, you're wrong on this there was an explanation okay do, do you want to know uh-huh I, I don't know what it was but it was in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> i wish i was joking but i'm not <laughs> important plot elements of that movie we're in Fortnite. Yes. So, to sum up, it's very hard to get behind wanting to root for a character's demise when the traits you're giving him are something that many of us are feeling in the real world, like we want to actually address that real problem. And the solution to the real problem is not going to be to just wish violent, bloody death on them. So, yes, that that's why that is so weird and complicated and problematic and not problematic in an offensive way just problematic and it's hard to like let it go with the story because of it um yeah so yeah that, that's really weird which is a shame because i think the rest of it's actually mostly pretty good and enjoyable the art's gorgeous 
Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more mixed on than you in general anyway, in that, you know, as I was going up and down, I think the, the first section, probably up until that helicopter ride, is kind of fantastic. I think it loses its... Obviously, the helicopter ride is, you know, the worst part by a long shot. Um, I do think it loses its kind of focus a little bit. Like, I think that the uh, the bar scene's good, but the Toy Man stuff is it's fine. But then uh, you know, the stuff after as well with, with Waller and, and I, this Joker. You know, I'm not necessarily feeling Joker doing Clockwork Orange. It feels a bit unjokery to me for him to take on a part like that. Yeah, I feel like he takes on parts all the, all the time when he feels the need to. Um... The original parts that he tends to take on. He doesn't... I don't know, the idea of him just kind of dressing up as a movie character essentially i, I mean I, I i can see how you how you might think this is like uh uninspired it's like you know him taking yeah. a character that maybe is closely too related to the mindset of the joker in the first place so uh it's a bit maybe lazy and like a, a cheap pop as it were but um yeah it seemed to fit to me but i mean like i say, I, I already had like something else to really complain about so i wasn't, I wasn't yeah, really yeah, looking for like... something else don't be wrong. In in comparison to that sequence, uh, you know, minor quibbles. Yeah, but... I, I I I I plan on reading this issue of this. I think I want to see where this goes, especially since it seems to be coming out in the quieter week of the month. So, uh, I uh, is this monthly or bi-monthly? Do we know? Maybe may bi-monthly. That sounds because it's like double size. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these prestige books are. Uh, that, unless that, that said, I'll leave though, my head on it. Malie is doing work on Checkmate right now, so I, I suspect that this was already done in advance. That or, is very possible. Or, I'm just going to try and... Or Checkmate was already done in advance. One of them must have been done in advance. There's no way he's pumping out monthly comics in a double-sized thing at the same time. Yeah. So I see. Next issue is in... Yeah. That did not give me a release date like I was hoping for. Never mind. Oh, no. September 7th. So, yeah. Somehow... Monthly. It's monthly. So, uh, what are you rating? Does this one get Joker issue one? I'm going to give it a 5.5. That section really Ooh. soured me on it. Oh, I, I, I'm going to be a bit more, I think, diplomatic than that. I, I'm going to go with a 7. Uh, and it does, lo it's losing at least a full point for that, that helicopter raid sequence. But I, I generally enjoyed the rest of it, and the art's really nice. and I like the ending. I like the setup. It, you know, it's amazing how many good Jason Todd characterizations we've been getting recently. Um, so, fair play, fair play. Uh, seven out of ten for me. The Nice House on the Lake, issue two. James Tynan the fourth and Alvaro Martinez, of course, on the art. On issue three, not issue two. Oh, I didn't change the number on my list. That's my bad. Uh, so yeah, issue three, which is. Focusing on Sam, uh, who is one of the, t the, the, the gay couple, uh, one of the two characters in the gay couple, and this is very much about kind of him trying to, like, everyone else is almost, like, immediately, like, well, we should just watch a movie, like, relax for a couple of days and, like, you know, get, get calm and get used to the situation, and he's like, no, let's go and like, find the perimeter, let's go do things, let's, let's try and solve this, this is horrible. Um, and it sort of yeah. like sets up that he's that type of character that he never takes days off, he never takes time off, because we get the transcript of the phone call where he was like convinced to come on this trip in the first place from Walter. Uh, so he, he he hasn't taken like proper vacation years anyway. Yeah. 
he's he's always about the work. Um, so yeah, it's a really good character study issue as as they've been so far. Typically, they've all focused on you know a solo character more or less. Um, this one gets trippy with the I don't like to say Lovecraftian. It's not quite right, but the existential like space horror of what are these weird monolithic things and what is this place that he finds at the end and the secrets within like the way it's laid out the, yeah oh man it's the hexagon i think it's it's laid out in it's like super interesting like, it seems very intentional yeah and, and sam you know he kind of has this realization as he's, he's telling the story so sort of in this like future start the, the vault kind of started in where he's rowing the boat and he's talking about how he hadn't really made any friends that first year he was in college and it was actually Walter who told him to go and like spy on some friends from high school because he was worried about them but he's kind of realizing in hindsight that what he was actually doing was making him interact with his friends again so that he would like sort of just improve his social life and get back onto like a, a less lonely path yeah. and he's sort of realizing that even though like you know on its own it's actually a very pleasant sneaky gesture in a way uh, but obviously given everything else Walter's doing it's got a sinister undertone to it but uh but, you know even at the start of the issue you know his partner wakes up and he's already sitting up looking out the window like you know he's not sleeping he's not resting he doesn't vacate do people say that do people say i vacate when they're going on vac- when they're not vac- no, they holiday don't they i mean technically it's right i think i think technically but i don't think you would say that no nah. i mean yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it's kind of weird from a, from a for a British perspective. Anyway, is that we don't really use the word vacation. We don't, it's, but I don't think I've heard an American say vacate. I mean, obviously they say vacate the premises, but that's not the same as talking about vacating. I'm, I'm going to vacate. Yeah, on your on your, on your vacation. <laughs> um, so they're debating what movies to watch. Uh, you know, Disney shit or something, otherwise. Something nice. <laughs> something nice. Uh, and he's like, no, that's not what's up. Nice, let's try and solve our problems. He's he obviously there's a great moment here actually where he is a close up in his hands and uh, his partner kind of leans in and like says don't and to us because he can sort of tell he's like gripping the chair and he's like getting ready to unleash on the group, but he goes off instead. Um, he does have a a, a passing moment uh, with uh, assume that's the artist. Again, it's hard to keep track of all these characters. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And they kind of have this brief moment because they don't really know each other very well. They've met like once before, which she brings up here, uh, is that they had that one interaction before they came to the house. Uh, but he starts trying to find a perimeter. So we get this kind of effect where he's like touching like the invisible wall and there's like ripples as if there's a barrier. And he it, says it stings a, a little bit. He gets a stick and just like, right, let's walk along it. Yeah, it's a simple stuff. It's simple. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I actually just watched the last like pilot again uh, in the last week. So, what are you it, doing now? Leave it with me. But the idea being is that this was kind of making me think of that a little bit, and that you've got this ensemble of characters, and you've got someone who's a bit more of a thinker who's starting to like try and map out where they are and what what they can do, what the plan is, and that kind of stuff. And he, you know, he's just walking along with a stick, and we see like you know the shadow of Walter kind of watching him from the, the trees very creepy. every so often it looks so creepy the way that the art does it because it's it's just like a silhouette and you know the the glasses just stick out and oh man it looks great and it's funny and i don't think anything sort of like shows how different he is to everyone else when it, it just cuts back to them for one panel as he's doing this and they're all on the boat just drinking and swimming yeah. and you know whatever they're, they're just doing normal things I, I do like the small touch though that his uh, partner 
is looking off like everyone else like you know the artist is just sort of looking down at, at the paper everyone else is doing their own thing but he's partner he's you know, staring off back towards the shore yeah so he's clearly thinking about him he's thinking about sam and he's thinking about you know is he okay should i go in after him kind of thing and i actually love this beat where he like sort of hits a right angle uh because he's like dragging the stick along the, the perimeter and he ends and he's up seeing another statue that he's walking towards yeah, a different symbol so a different symbol but equally like weird and hard to you know decipher. I'm, I'm wondering how these symbols relate to the character symbols because mm. i'm sure they do somehow but he's dragging the stick along and he just walks into this other side like his entire face hits it and he's like shit so he's like and he and i love the the, the best panel up like possible to just to really cement what he's just done is that one where he's actually dragged the stick across the corner and you just see the sort of the right angle yeah uh it's not really cause it's more of a hexagon when we see what the overall shape is but like close enough <laughs> the idea being is a sharp turn uh, yeah yeah like i say you know he, he he stops and stares at it and then grabs you know the the twig that he's got and just kind of brushes round like right okay there it is so really neat, and he's he's back that day, and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm taking your shoes because uh, I I need good hiking shoes to continue my mapping." And it's a little bit cold because he's you know they've been a little bit cold to each other. He's like, "Oh, you can borrow my shoes since you've asked," kind of thing. But again, he wants to go off and do this. He offers to come with them. He's like, "No, you stay here. You stay here and watch movies, and you stay here and you know eat the food that we don't even know if we will get more." Obviously, it was hinted at by a lot of that they'd somehow keep being more food, but obviously, it makes sense that he wouldn't just believe that. Like, <laughs> like why would he? Until more food starts to magically appear. But this book's been not afraid to do those pages where it's like a different style. And here we get the sort of the journal where he's like mapping and like writing down his notes of like yeah, and I, yeah, a double page and then a full page after that as well. I love that he actually asked something that I was thinking. Because uh, as he was saying that he's finding more of these symbols and statues. I was actually thinking on this two page, like, do you see anything when you touch? Because we know when they touch the main one, like, they see where they're from and all the dead bodies and stuff like that. And I was like, I almost wanted to high five uh, Tynan because the the very first thing he says in the next page is, uh, no, visions no visions touching the sculptures. I'm like, you answered my question. Like, I had that, that question in my head, that entire two pages, and then I turned to this page. And then I'm like, okay, so what's the purpose of the other ones? Because we know there's one here, and you know, says there's a sculpture tunnel that when you walk in, it cancels out all noise. I suspect that all these symbols around the perimeter are the things that are actually making the barrier. That would be my Quite possibly. It's possible that it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's ones inside the barrier as well, right? Uh, you know that we yeah. know of so if they don't do visions because the, the, the ones that he can touch must be inside the barrier so they must do something i'm sure they do something right well and they're all inside the barrier because even the ones around the perimeter are inside the the, the wall oh maybe maybe that one is i can't remember yeah. it fair enough uh so but he finds a staircase that has tons of symbols up, up the side of it and the visual at the top is, uh, you know, because it, it, it's very monolith from 2001, but it's not obviously just a, a rectangle. It's more of a weird building structure, but it's pure black. And you've, you've got these... It white... reminds me of something in, a, in the, there's a game that I played. I can't remember what the game is. It's very specific, though, where you have to go and, like, investigate structures like this. And so there's a way to say, it might, it might be Mass Effect Andromeda, actually. Oh, interesting. Um... But you've got the the difference though, because the symbols that are around it, because there's like a courtyard of these more of these symbols and statues, 
and they're all white. So you have got this like real contrast of this black, jet black building that's like a weird cuboid shape with, you know, it's, am I saying weird cuboid? What I mean is it's, it's like multiple cubes all kind of like together rather than just one shape. Um, and so he he looks through this and he kind of notices on the two page spread that they're in the middle of this this courtyard. There there appears to be like a, a model of like, well not even model, but just like a map of the lake and like where the house is. So clearly. You would imagine that all these symbols in this courtyard and this hexagonal pattern around the lake might correlate to what he was finding around the, the the perimeter, like all those shapes, like maybe the ones in this courtyard correlate to the ones that are out there next to the walls. Quite possibly. What's interesting to me about this, though, is it's split up into layers. Like there's there's a first hexagon around the lake, but mm-hmm. then there's you know maybe four or five more as it goes out in layers. I'm wondering. Has he only just been walking around that first barrier? Like, that is, that, is, is that first hexagon just the first barrier? If, if that if that is true, then that, these won't correlate to the ones he was finding because then he's not moved beyond this first hexagon. Yeah. Um, which would then make you question: What do these other chunks and sections that are all split up mean? Like, do they represent other parts of the planet that have been used for other experiments or other people or other things? Yeah, where the lines join to the next section is that where there's essentially a gateway that you can get through, perhaps. Oh, that's all very interesting stuff. Like that, I think the last chunk of this issue really built the mystery really well. And you have this moment where he goes up to the wall and he starts yelling for Walter. I know you're in there. I wish I hadn't come. You knew I wouldn't have come if you hadn't begged me. Why? Did, you know, I'd rather be dead without there with everyone else than than sort of live like this, not knowing. And he breaks down in tears, and he eventually he fires because he mentioned earlier on that he was taking a flare gun in case he got into trouble. So he fires off the flare, which is a gorgeous the, panel, by the, the way. Coloring change as well. So we yeah. start like in this blood red uh, on on the two page spread before, and over the course of that page, it kind of transitions over to a cold blue, and then the flare sticks back out again with its bright red. Yeah. Um. So he fires that off, gorgeous panel. He walks away, and then we see sort of Walter kind of appear behind him again in shadow and silhouette. And then we get this creepy moment. So earlier on in the, the issue, because we know that there was other characters that Walter wanted to bring but couldn't, right? Who never agreed to come for whatever reason. And it was mentioned in the phone call earlier on that uh, Sam asked, is Reg coming? And Reg was the one as well that he was meant to go and like, see if he was okay back, back, you know, back in the college days. Yeah. And Walter turns back and looks at the wall of this structure. And we see from inside this structure... Uh, Reg banging against the window saying, Sam, can you hear me? It's Reg, can you hear me? And Walter just creepily smiles. So the idea is that the entire time that Sam was there crying and breaking down, his old friend Reg is trapped in there in, in a more literal prison than everyone else because he's in this, this weird cuboid shape. And it's the uh, it's still face-melted Walter as well, yes. like the that weird version, which doesn't show in the... Uh, the silhouettes, he looks normal in the silhouettes, like the shape of his head looks normal whereas you see it here and there's clearly like almost two heads, right? Yeah. So it, it just it adds to this creepy effect. Yeah, and the final page is just like them coming up in the little boat to get him and one of them says, you're lucky we were outside to see the flare and his partner says, no, no, I would have stayed out and looked for it, you know, if no one else was out. Uh, yeah. Again, that, you know, this idea that he's going to be here for them no matter what, even if they are different in, in a lot of ways. Um... And he just says, I found all I was going to find. Let's go home. And the idea of he, him referring to it as home, I think is him being broken. Like, he's now accepted that this is home. 
Uh, yeah. And he, he's been disillusioned. It's so mysterious. It's so otherworldly. He can't comprehend it. He's accepted that he can't solve this. And that's him being broken. So I, I think it's a really good... I think that's my favorite issue of the three. I think it's so focused and it's so... It's so well put together and it builds the mystery so well with this this last like section of the building and the stairway and all the symbols. But it, it also, because it separates him from everyone else, there, some of that character confusion of all the different characters mingling wasn't a problem. I left it a little bit more focused. I agree with that. I think yeah. I, th- think I preferred the first issue still, but I think that was just sublime for me. Because hmm? uh, that had the... It was mostly focused on the one character still, um, but managed to introduce a lot and I don't know. Just that was like a masterclass of a first issue. This is, I think, this is better than the second issue, though. Mm. Uh, I do think you know it's. So it's, it's the way it builds. I think, you know that back, like I don't know, four or five pages is yeah. just and that, just incredible. That art on the last page, it's a simple little thing, but I love the glow of the uh, the green. There's just like the side of the panel on the whoever's driving the boat uh, from the screens. I just really like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a nice little contrast to the rest of the coloring. Yeah, it's real nice. I dig it. Uh, so no, really good. Um, so yeah, what are you giving issue three of Nice House in the Lake? Uh, I'm giving it an eight point five. Yeah, straight nine for me. I think. Uh, um, and I said I think that's my favorite issue. If you go back and check my rating for issue one, maybe it was higher than that. I can't remember. But <laughs> that's a in nine. then because I think me and Matt gave it or I gave it tens and. I feel like you gave it a 9.5, maybe. I might have done. Maybe I should give us a 9.5. You know what? You convinced me. 9.5. Uh, so, 9.5 out of 10 uh, for Nice House in the Lake. Issue 3. That was a phenomenal issue. Um, so, cool. Well, then. Every month on patreon.com slash TV, patrons at one of our higher tiers get to make myself a corner read a book. And... Uh, Connor's read two for this week. I've read one, so we'll start off with one of Connor's. Uh, Connor is going to talk about Noctera issue something. Issue five. Issue five. There you go. You asked me at the start of the show. No, I asked you about Harley Quinn. Then I asked you about Noctera. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I, they were both issue five. So, <laughs> if, if if I cared enough to go back and like splice in a little flashback, I would. I probably wouldn't remember to, but uh, you definitely won't. I definitely won't, but uh, you've accepted that I'm right, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> go on, then. <laughs> Annoyingly, I have, on this one occasion. You you may have been correct. Uh, yeah, penultimate issue of the arc. Uh, again, another little flashback to start, you know, just to the early stuff. It's, it's basically just that the first night, like a refugee camp of, you know, people who are still alive and not infected. Um, but they also take the infected people and they're, like, quarantine them off, see what they can do to heal them. So obviously they've got the, you know, the two kids there and they're like, all right, you know, it, it's the army. And they're trying, trying to be all confident. It's like, oh, we've got your parents in the infirmary. They'll be fine. They were not fine. <laughs> Un- un- unsurprisingly, uh, you know, it just it, it swings back around to this at the end of the issue, I think. Just being like, yeah, no, uh, the, the parents were too far gone. Uh, no, it's not quite the end, actually. It's, it's kind of in the middle. It's, it's an important beat, but it's, no, the parents were not fine. They were too far gone. And when people are too far gone, as I think we learned in a couple of issues ago, when you know when they start talking the language, that's it. There's no coming back. Which is why this sanctuary that they're in now, where they got to the last issue, which allegedly had sunlight, is such a big deal because uh, M, the the brother, has started speaking the language. By all accounts, he is too far gone to be saved. 
but they've got magic light. Um, yeah, like it's it's like super sunlight. They don't know what exactly it is. It's not real sunlight, but it simulates it. They call it Lux, and they've got this incredible room with like all, all these trees and like flowers growing, and in the middle is like a, a hospital bed essentially, and they call it the cradle. And it's just you know right in the middle of where the light goes, and you know you can heal people with that. Uh, and it, it seems like it can heal other things as well. It's not just the darkness-related uh, mutations, because at one point they mentioned that they could put Val in it and just heal up, you know, all the the injuries on her arm. And they'll, they'll heal a lot faster with it. Uh, so you know, obviously this is very useful. Um, but they put M in it, uh, and then uh, Val, you know, basically blacks out. She pass, you know, they they you know they they've tranked her because she's been awake for like a long time so she's she's asleep for like almost a full day and it's this really you know it's, it's unique page two completely black pages with just a you know a couple of narration boxes on each page like i think it's like three on each page and basically nothing else and it, you know it is basically going yeah come come see him for yourself and he's seemingly okay he's he's back he's 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 talking. Uh, he's not like a hundred percent yet, but they're like, nah, a few more days and he'll be fine. Uh, uh, you know, because they've been in this research center for however many years this has been going on now, fifteen years, I think it is, something like that. And they, they've obviously conducted some studies. They, they've they've seen this happen. They know. Okay, they they do admit though that he is further gone than they usually see, and have never healed from this far back before. So he must have been a. Yeah, got had a lot of willpower to to keep fighting, uh, to come back. And this is what we actually learn a lot about what this place is. It's uh, you, this is so the the brother of the guy who hired them to bring here, uh, Augustus and Tiberius, uh, you know, cruel cruel parents. Although that is kind of what the parents, you know, what the guy points out is that it was almost a uh, a way of their parents kind of forcing them to be competitive. Like, you know, giving them these names, you know, to see which one of them is better. Um, but this place is, you know, it's it's called a prism. They don't really know what you know how exactly it works. They 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 didn't build it. No, no, he built it, but two specifications that were given to him by his brother and the people his brother worked with. And there's, uh, I think, he says like fifteen of these around the, uh, around the country, around the world. Um, and the one that they have here is like the weakest one. It barely, you know, all the all the rest work better. But there is a, a definite implication that the people who created this caused the dark. Like they, they, you know, and, and this is like, I don't know, you know, they'll have, you know, it, it's almost like causing the problem so they can sell the solution. It's very sinister. It's like very, very intriguing as to what this place is and, and the purpose behind it. Uh, and he, he says, like, look, you know, you can stay here if you want, you and your brother, and you know, we've got a few bit more space. If you got, you know, loved ones that you want to go and fetch and bring back here, that's that's fine as well. You can stay here for the rest of your lives and be safe. Just uh, take a few days to think about it. And she's like, well, why would I not stay? This is exactly what I've spent my whole life looking for. It's like, you just uh, you know, let me just show you this, and you know, there's like a big see-through wall. Like it's 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 an opaque wall that he turns see-through like you know, it's got you know, like some fancy wall that you know can change 
and there's a whole bunch of the human shades uh, behind the smudges, or they've called them Homo Nocturus, because of course they needed a proper name for researchers and all that. Um, and these are some of the people who lived here that basically kind of the claustrophobia of being in this place got too much for them. And they kind of turned the light off in their room and just gave up. And and it, it kind of turns out that's what uh, M did as, as well. Like you know, he 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 told how you know he he told oh you know he lost track of time and that's how he got infected. But he he didn't he 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 knew what he, he knew what he was doing. He was sick of uh, you know just surviving but not living. You know as he says, uh, and just got you know didn't want to take it anymore. So let himself get infected. <clears throat> And even now, doesn't know that he wants to carry on, or if he does, he wants to try and fight back. And you know, there's this, there's this implication to this place they're researching how to fight, you know, what to do, because there's they talk about you know trying to decipher the language, trying to understand the you know the the shades a bit more. Uh, and you know, he's he's talked about how you know having been that far through, he understands how they communicate now. He he's got a bit of a a clearer vision of what they are and. Their enemies being uh, Eos, which is you know the, the, these beings of light, the way they see it, presumably related to the the light in these places. Uh, but it was also Eos is something that was in the uh, the guy's notebook from before, and it's it's all this you know intrigue and stuff. But uh, Val goes you know you know so at night she's she's going to go and see the guy and and let him know what's happened. Uh, uh, Tiberius, this is you know, running the facility. And she walks in on you know him having a essentially a, a fancy phone call the video screen so you know what do, what do you want to do Bill and it's uh, you know the guy who's chasing them for the last like three issues he goes you know what you hired me to do you know, open the door and I'll come kill them all and it's it's an extra layer of intrigue so it's you know presumably Tiberius hired them because he wanted the journal more importantly he wanted the information that was in that. But he's got that now. Uh, I'm assuming he doesn't really want to kill them. Like he has no need for that. It, it's possible, of course, that his offer for them to stay there was just so that that you know it'd be easy for them to tie up loose ends. But it didn't feel that way. Um, super intriguing issue. A very, uh, very narrative-heavy issue. Not a lot of action in this one, um, if any, really. It's pretty much all just uh, talking head uh, sequences. But I think that's the first issue of this book that's had that, so we were kind of due for it, to be fair. Uh, it does make this one of the densest reads uh, yet. But I do think the book was due it. Um, the action was a lot of fun. We were learning bits we went through, but this this one issue, just to stop, slow down, has propelled everything forward a lot. Uh, it's given a lot more understanding uh, going into the end of the arc that I do think it needed. Um... Uh, I think it's, it's left the book in a stronger place, even if this issue isn't necessarily the strongest issue. Um, so I give it like a 7.5. Okay. Uh, Animal Man, issue 10, is what I'm looking at this week. And what's funny about this is I got a lot confused at first, because turns out the Animal Man story from the Secret Origins, which I read last time, was actually in this collection. But the reason why I thought it wasn't is because... The cover of issue 10 is right after issue 9. So I thought, oh, issue 10's next, so it's missing the Secret Origin story. I'll go track it down. Um, 
basically, you get the extra 10 cover, and then you get all of the secret origin story, and then at the end of that it says, end of prelude! <laughs> and it just goes into the issue as if it was... I mean, I don't know if they've reprinted the whole thing in issue 10 originally, if that was just the thing that I was done. somehow doubt it. Yeah. I think that, for the collections. This, this feels unlikely, yes. But they're pretending it's part of issue 10, which is weird. Obviously, I just... Once I realized I was reading the same thing, I was like, oh, just... Yeah, it's like, this seems really familiar. I'm sure I've read this before. <laughs> so obviously I skipped to you know, the actual new material uh, for issue 10. Um, okay, so I'd heard for years that this was going to get meta. You know, I, I that was that was the thing I knew about Grant Morrison's mm-hmm. Animal Man, is that it was going to get some meta stuff going on. I've had a little bit of meta, but... I, and, I don't think you're at full meta to what this book gets to. Maybe even not yet, but uh, there's still some ties to, to his origin with the... Because obviously the aliens who to ship exploded and the monster they sent down that he fought originally, you know, that that's referenced again. I love the opening of this issue, though, uh, after that one page, because it's a uh, vixen running in the rain, but it, it's like... Uh, it's like a six-panel grid, sort of vertical panels, um, and two rows of three. And it's alternating with a fox being chased by dogs with uh, fox hunters uh, somewhere, you know, in the English countryside where fox hunting is a is a thing. The the pillocks that they are uh, scum a lot of them. Anyway, yeah. so they're hunting. Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Do, you, do you mean English or the rich Tory bastards? The rich Tory bastards. Okay, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> a, a lot of them Future are English. A lot of them are English. So, <laughs> but not all English. You, although you are included in the bastard scum, <laughs> not not in the rich Tory pillocks though. No, no, you're just a a, a pillock on your own. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I love that. <laughs> um, so it's it's a wonderful transition between the two scenes though, because she's running the rain. We don't even know what she's running from, right? It's just got a really good atmosphere. There's a plane taking off as she's running past this runway, and then this fox is running, and then there's kind of this ending where she looks kind of shocked in the rain, and then it looks like the fox is about to get it, but when the the, the hunters get there, it's like where, where's the where's the fox? And as we see this, we also see uh, Vixen like grab the the wheel of the plane as it's going up. <laughs> you know, like it's already in there, and the, the the wheel's starting to retract into the the body of the plane. Um, and she's just grabbing that and flying off in the rain. Uh, but the the next page after they're like, where, where the hell is the fox? Uh, it's a full page spread of Animal Man holding the fox. Animal Man is swooped in and saved the poor fox. So, very sweet. Uh, obviously, ties into Animal Man. Says hello to everyone, takes a photograph. Uh, we see Ellen with a friend uh, talking about what Buddy's been up to and how his powers are still a bit wonky. And then there's, there's where things really start to take a take a turn <laughs> from that perspective. We go to, we go to Arkham Asylum. Our old favorite location of the DC universe, Arkham Asylum, can't beat it. And uh, this um, uh, doctor, this professor, whoever you are, is doing research. He's here to see someone. He's been called in by this doctor Arkham. It's not Amadeus Arkham or anyone like that, or Jeremiah Arkham or whoever, whatever Arkham is meant to be working there usually. Um, it's just someone who works there, and he runs into Matar. And Mad Hatter yells out, uh, hold on. We're all just words on a page. We're just a rushed, a script rushed out to meet a deadline. 
and then starts yelling um just words on a page some hack is right in our lives and he's been dragged off and i'm like okay that's kind of neat he's he looks crazy he's in arkham asylum obviously it's funny to us because it's kind of accurate mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know whatever but then he's introduced to psycho pirate that's who he's there to see and psycho pirates you know you know acting all weird obviously they're just calling him roger hayden for the most part um and he's doing his whole worlds will live worlds will die and he says he doesn't want to sleep because if he goes to sleep uh they might decide to remove him from continuity and he'll never wake up i went oh jesus morrison what what am i getting into here <laughs> like how, <laughs> how far are we going with this because this is, this is going to start getting trippy and hard to follow it, it's so funny from knowing things later in the run yeah. that this is barely even matter. <laughs> like this, this is, you know, this is tip of the iceberg stuff. Right, and that's the thing. So, so he says there's a message for this guy on the floor, and he picks it up. It's a crumpled up bit of paper, and he opens it up, and it so it sounds like Grant Morrison's talking about their childhood. Uh, talking about walking uh with the grandfather. Uh, at night, and the and the pouring rain, uh, and it ties into the fox thematically, talking about uh, thinking there's a fox up in the 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 hills, and how as a kid, uh, they would use the the, the torch to like flash lights back at the at the fox, and it, it was it was all just kind of this sort of imagination of a child kind of thing. Uh, but years later, I found out my surname mean what it means in Gaelic, son of the fox. I didn't Google to see if Grant means son of the fox in Gaelic, but it sounds. Uh, I, I'm guessing that Morris is Gaelic for. Oh, maybe. A fox, yeah. right? Maybe Morrison, Cause... yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because of the son. So, son of Goris the fox. Yeah. Goris? Morris, you know what I meant. I did, I did know what you meant. That's why I just played <laughs> a slide. I mixed the two names together. You know what? You know I, was, I was being serious for once. But then, then he flips the uh, the page over. Right? The character flips the page over, and it's basically more panels of Animal Man's origin, where the aliens are kind of fleeing after he's he's, he's fought the monster they, they put here, and the aliens are talking about uh, once we improve these weapons, blah blah, we can come back, and this population will become our slaves. Typical alien, you know, overload sort of stuff, overload sort of stuff, and. But it's, it's, it's like the end of the origin story, like sort of bleeding into this reality as if it was a comic book. Um, and then the final panel he looks at, which is the end of the, the story, is him saying, my animal powers, the aliens, Raygun activated. I've still got them. Perhaps, you know, I can utilize them to fight, you know, crime and evil and blah, blah, blah. The end. And the, the guy obviously recognizes who this is. He's like, Animal Man. So obviously he's going to go look for Animal Man soon and that'll be how Animal Man himself gets involved in this, this side of the story. But... It's like okay, we're getting super meta here. We're 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 getting to like, and I yes, I I realize that as I'm saying this, yes, I I have heard it gets even more meta, and this is barely nothing. But this is already treating the, the history of this as a comic book. We've got Psycho Pirate talking about being wiped from continuity, uh, and then it's just like a writer who decides that Mad Hatter spouting that as well. Uh, but Buddy comes home and finds that Vixen is waiting for him, and and I was like, hey, you've got a visitor, uh, and. There's like the teases outside of something coming through. Like the dog gets scared. A lawnmower gets like thrown up, like from the ground. And there's a conversation between uh, Ellen and her friend about how because you know, because obviously Vixen's also a supermodel. So they're talking about how like gorgeous she is and 
and whatever and the friend's like hey does this not weird you out meeting these types of people and you know all these superhero types that come to your door she's like ah once you met one you met them all uh she's fairly laid back about it but vixen's saying there's this force coming um i don't know where to start but she's been chased by something um i don't know why i came here uh they, they comment that they've got similar powers although she acknowledges that her powers come from this totem that she got passed down you know through generations uh, Alman says these powers are on the fritz, but they have very similar power sets, uh, typically. Um, and then, of course, uh, we build up to the the, the big teases, and um, you know, she talks about the the the, the leader who kind of like killed her her uncle uh, recently. Uh, his name is uh, Hamid Ali, and they call him the Undying One. And Buddy says, "So he's superhuman then?" And it's like, "Yeah, probably." Uh, but then the cat starts to freak out, the windows smash, and it's like they're being chased by something invisible. And Vixen's freaking out, at Buddy's like, I can feel something, but I, I don't see anything. So Vixen grabs uh, a smoke bomb uh, from Buddy and smashes it, the idea being that the smoke will reveal their form. So we get this great panel of like these two kind of monsters kind of being visible in the smoke just by the shape of the what's sort of you know the occlusion of where the smoke would otherwise be going and they're kind of like uh, they've got manes almost like lions but their heads are really big and they've got these big you know it's like they're standing on their hind legs and pro- proper kind of i don't want to say satanic but you know proper fantasy looking shit yeah monsters uh so it's a really neat thing and then the idea that you know ellen walks in and buddy's like no no go away and we see kind of the vague shape of these monsters still there. Um, and then the end of the story is that the these monsters just looking at Buddy, like their gaze, that's what he keeps calling it. The gaze of the monster basically strips some of his clothes, then his skin, then he's just like his skeleton, then he disappears. It's like he just is like, like just disintegrated from existence, like layer by layer. And obviously Ellen's like, you know, yelling no. And Vixen's sort of standing there not really sure what to do uh, but then once the smoke starts to clear we see the the two aliens that we saw in the secret origin issue saying they were coming back to see if they could fix buddy what their ultimate intentions are it's hard to say at this point certainly the origin story painted them as villainous but we'll see if they're still villainous or more of a, a neutral kind of force uh, but yeah that's the big cliffhanger of the issue is, is them appearing uh, and it just says they take charge now. In fact, maybe these new invisible monsters are what they have sent now, thinking they can win finally with, with these new beasts under their control. Uh, very much could be possible. So I love the, the the book ending of the Vixen stuff and these invisible monsters is fantastic. This, this was just great, like, build, you know, what's chasing her, what's hunting them down, comes to Buddy for help, they're here, oh, we can only see them using some smoke, or I, I guess similar, like, Hollow Man, I imagine, like, uh, you know, you know, rain or water would also maybe reveal them a little bit, kind of thing. Maybe, um, maybe some mud. Mud, yeah, mud would work. It's footprints on the on the ground, that kind of thing. Uh, all, all that stuff is really good. Uh, the meta stuff in the middle, like I don't know where it's going with that. I don't know what, what you know what crazy cockamamie plan Grant Morrison's got at this point. But one one thing I've learned in years of reading comics is <laughs> never, never try and predict the nonsense that Grant Morrison is going to come up with. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Uh, the, the more straightforward story that's going on alongside that, though, I think is really enjoyable. And I can't deny the meta stuff's interesting. I just, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it yet. I, I don't know what it's going to say about anything or what the point of it's going to be until it gets more deeply into the into yeah. that. But 
the actual story in the build-up is a really, it's really smartly crafted comic. If anything, the only critique I'd have is that the, the divergence to the meta stuff in the middle is this big chunk in the middle. It's you know, it's a good solid like six, seven pages in the middle of the comic that just goes away from everything else and comes back. So maybe there's a pacing that could, you know improvement that could be made there, rather by splitting it up into two sections and sort of making it feel less one big chunk or something. I'm not sure. I don't have the answer, but it did feel like a kind of a... Like, when I came back, it felt like, oh, intermission's over now. We're back to the main story. So yeah. maybe there's a slight little, uh, you know, improvement to be made there. But uh, really solid issue. I will happily give this a, a 8.5 out of 10 because I thought the, the build-up to the, the monsters and all the Vixen stuff was really cool. And, uh, just exciting. Just exciting. Just exciting from a, a build to the villains. So... Cool stuff, that's Alma Man, issue 10, uh, which, yeah, you've got one more Patreon book, so you're going to talk about Harley Quinn, issue 5. Oh, wait. That is unfortunately true. <laughs> Music to my ears. Yeah, I bet it is. Uh, this issue has a lot of Hugo Strange stuff. Uh, Hugo Strange as Batman, uh, if you remember all that. I mean, Hugo Strange, really, you know, but... it was just vaguely just dressing up as Batman to like he's, replace he's, him. He's, he's done. He's done that in the past. That's a part of Hugo Strange's DNA. I don't remember it in Harley Quinn specifically. I don't listen no, to no, you talking. No, no. I mean that in but... the past of Hugo Strange. If you remember that, I didn't mean if you oh, remember okay, that. Yeah. Oh, in uh, yes, oh, Well, in that case, yes, I remember that as a part of Hugo Strange's history. Yes. Yes. Very heavily reliant on that stuff. Like the first page of this is a is a big massive Hugo Strange in a bat. So it's a full page splash of him jumping out, going, "I am Batman." And then having a fight with the real Batman. It, it's it's all that. With Harley narrating over the top. Did he yell out and say somehow Palpatine's returned? He, he did not. But maybe next time. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My new favourite meme is somehow Palpatine returned. Because it's such a stupid thing in that movie. It's How are you only just right. catching on to this being a thing? Like it's, I've seen it pop up enough. It's like Because I, I, I've got most Star Wars terms muted. Oh, on Twitter, right? I don't want to see it for the most part, but um, you didn't have Palpatine muted, did you? I have Palpatine muted, and I'm not going to because I like this meme. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like this meme. This is a funny meme because it's mocking the bad writing of that movie. So I'm on board for I'm this. I'm not meme. defending that movie. <laughs> I'm not defending that. I mean, if anything, um, the, the meme's going to turn to just somehow something returned. You can dip, dip, put in anything you want. But yeah, the yeah. occasion. I'm surprised. I'll be surprised if it hasn't already. That, yes. that memes mutate so fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uncontrollable life form. Uh, but right, first major complaint I have with this book is I get I get a bad neck reading it. It gives me a bad neck because. So here's the thing. I read it on a PC screen. It it stays fixed. It's not a page or a tablet that I can turn around. It mm -hmm. is a fixed screen. Half of the panels sporadically are just slanted at like weird angles. And the word balloons inside those slanted panels are slanted so they seem straight to that panel, but obviously not to the page. So some of them are slanted pretty far, so I'm like tilting my head at like a 45 degree angle to read this panel. And, but then I'm going back the other way as well to do it, like, because it's all over the place. It's infuriating. <laughs> it's constantly through the, through the entire issue, like, for no reason. That reminds me, actually, um, 
I I think when I read more of uh, Suicide Squad Get Joker, I might read it on the on the big computer monitor instead, because the the page shape was so wide compared to normal mm-hmm. comic that it wasn't that great on a tablet because it was having yeah. to shrink it down. It's the uh, the ultra wide format that a lot of those prestige books have. I think they started it with like Batman Damned, right? And... Yeah, I don't feel like that those were as bad though. I feel like this one's even wider. I, I feel like a lot more of a, a shrinking on this one, but regardless, could be just your memory, perhaps you know. I don't know. But either way, this is extremely annoying. Like, really annoying. Because it's clearly done where the panel is drawn, they letter it as its own individual layer uh, in Photoshop or whatever program they're choosing to use. I know some of them use Photoshop. And then they just grab that whole layer and just rotate it. Whereas if you rotate it first and then letter to that appropriately that I can read it, that that would be really nice, because it's so annoying, and I just don't want a bad neck anymore. Just you know, <laughs> comics are injuring me now. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the the actual contents of the issue, the first mm-hmm. like five or six pages is Harley like analyzing Strange, you know, like uh, from a, a therapy point of view sort of thing. Going, you know, I wonder why you, you dress up as Batman, you know, is it a developmental issue? You know, is, is it a sexual thing? You know, just like weird things. And Hugo Strange is just, you know, getting annoyed with her. As as you would expect, to to the point where he, like, throws a desk across the room because she's pissing him off that much. And he just calls for the guards to come and, come and take her away when she's, like, pissing off. She's getting so annoying. She's like, right, I need to go to the bathroom. So he gets the guards to literally drag her to the bathroom. And they're like, you know, you got 10 seconds. And she's, you know, cracking. Oh, you know, if, it, if it's only taking you 10 seconds, she's the bathroom. You should talk to a doctor. And, you know, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll be watching. You know, and they're like, oh, you can come in and watch if you want. You know, she, just, just weird stuff. Like, you know, Harley just cracking things. And I have to be honest, there's part of this plan that, conf- you know, like, seems so specific that it's all it borders on convoluted so the doctors or the guards have like shock buttons right they have like cow prods basically if, if she steps out of line so she goes into the toilet she knocks like a, a false tooth out that is some sort of electronic device that you don't really see what it does but you know it's just you know it's a, a it's clearly something she throws that in the toilet and then flushes the toilet. Breaks out of her handcuffs and then starts clogging up the toilet with tissue paper and flushing it over and over again from that point on so that there's water everywhere. And then just waits till they're in the war and uses the and steals one of their shock buttons and just electrocutes them with it. Like... Which is fine, but I'm not sure what the purpose of the first thing was. Maybe, maybe it's something that'll come up late, late in another issue. But she put like this false tooth, if, maybe it's attractive, I don't know, but she puts like a false tooth in the toilet, flushes it away, and it doesn't come back up. It doesn't do anything. It feels very strange, especially as by the end of the issue, she escapes anyway. So it didn't really serve any purpose. I, I don't know if I've missed something. But it was very, very weird. Uh, but anyway, she 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 basically calls in reinforcements. Um, 
and reinforcements being Grundy. Uh, and I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a signal for Grundy. I don't know because he's down in the sewers. I, I don't know. But anyway, she calls in Grundy. Grundy comes and beats up a bunch of guards. She rescues Kevin, and you know they break out inside Strange's closet. <laughs> he has a bunch of like stuffed villain toys. Like I don't really listen to you a lot when you're talking about Harley, but I was I, but I was paying attention there, and you just casually said she she picks up Kevin, and all I could think was. Who the hell is Kevin? <laughs> Kevin is the um, the ex clown gang member that she befriended. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I assume it's a character just introduced in this book, but I, I just it I just, is. It, He's been there since like the first issue. It made me laugh because it just it just sounds so like she picks up Kevin. I'm like, hey, Kevin, hey. Yeah, Kevin, who she is is who she's here to rescue. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's he's the one that Strange kidnapped to experiment on because he's an ex clown. But yeah, um, for some reason, Strange has like a uh, like shelves full of plushies of various Bat characters, mostly villains. He's got a, he's got a Batman and a Robin as well, though. But there's a lot of others, and there's like a Grundy. So she takes the Grundy because that's cute. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. There's like Clayface, Two Face, Penguin, Ivy, Freeze, uh, Zaz is in there, Bane. Just, just, just—I don't know why. This, this, this feels so strange. And he's still got his bat suit hung up in in the back of the closet. And he's like, "Why does he still have this? Maybe it is sexual after all." Um, has a bit of a fight. She's got a bat back because that—that's what she was in here to get. Knocks him out with that, and then you know escapes with Grundy down to the sewers. And that's it. The, the the only other part that's interesting interesting in this book is uh, the reveal that Strange is not the one behind everything. He's working for someone, and I'm gonna have to turn my screen a lot. Oh, turn my head a lot to look at the screen. It's someone. They're in this like black cloak, and they've got like an orange glow on the face, and you know it's keeping them in in shadows all the whole time. It's like this mysterious thing. I'm like, is this someone I I know the way they're treating it? I'm like, what bat villains have like an orange glow on the face? I couldn't think of anyone. And then it gets to the end, and he's like, uh, "Ew." Hugo calls him Eli. And I go, "No, uh, Hugo, I told you that's not my name. It's uh, it called me Keepsake." I'm like, I, "I don't know who this is." Like, it's it's a big like full page reveal. It's the final page, the bull, like full thing. Call me Keepsake. I'm like, "Okay." That's Cold Snaps, second cousin. Yeah, yeah, might well be. <laughs> I will say, this one I knew it was the end of an issue, unlike last time. Didn't have it to be continued or a next time or anything like that. But it it did have Harley narrating after this. Oh, that call me keepsake reveal that you know someone else is behind Hugo Strange. Just says uh, it has a, a Harley narration box that just says that's called a cliffhanger. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's the end then. Uh, yeah, no, it, it bad bad issue, bad bad issue. Uh, Rosmo Art is obviously. Still ugly, still hanging the layouts, making me turn my neck this much is getting painful. And it's get, it gets worse as the issue goes on. Like it starts with, oh, you're tilting a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. And by the end, it's like a full, like, you know, I'm all, 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 my head is almost sideways to try and read some of this stuff, but not sideways enough that I could just, you know, rotate it. If it was a full, like, 90 degrees, I could just rotate the, the page, and that's fine. 
But no, 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 not that. It's just, it's just annoying. So it's like a, it's like a three. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking this Harley Quinn book less, and uh, as it goes on, like, as I said, you, know, it, th th there's the odd issue, like the first issue, where I was like, oh, I really like the writing, but I despise the art. Now, now I don't like the writing either anymore. This is good news. Read another issue of this this month. God damn it. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Uh, so, there you go. That's that's uh, the Patreon book special. Tickets out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite things of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and rank the top five books, which for me, I think, is literally just, I read five books, so I'll be ranking all five of them. Uh, so, that is what we're going to do. We'll start with panel slash moment. What do you have? Oh, that's tough. It's definitely from Swamp Thing. And the only debate is whether or not it's the page of the, the flashbacks when they were kids as it kind of goes down everything, or if it's the two pages at the start of, the, of him reforming a body. I might go with that, that full sequence of just from nothing, this black panel, to the, the agony of him reforming this body from nothing mm. uh, as it goes through. Just That was just stunning, and it's so well-paced. There's multiple things from Swamp Thing I could pick. Uh, I could also pick the the Joker screaming at uh, Peacemaker One, Peacekeeper One rather. Uh, after the Joker, after the not Joker, sorry, Scarecrow. After the Scarecrow toxins infected. Oh, him. you said Joker. I thought you yeah. were talking about something like the nah. the Suicide Squad book. And uh, then... No, no, no. I'm talking about the you know the screaming at the Peacemaker One with the the purple like void in his mouth and oh, the green behind yeah, him. Yeah. Like that, I, I I could pick that. But I I think I have to go with the uh, the friend like trapped in the the weird black building uh, as Walter is watching from Nice House in the Lake. I, I think that that entire segment is just wonderful. But that that moment is so creepy, and just adds to the 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 presence of whatever force is behind all this stuff. Uh, it just makes it feel very mysterious and. Uh, Kind of 2001 meets Lovecraft <laughs> in a weird way, which I kind of dig. So, yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, cover of the week, uh, I will say I like both covers to Nice House in the Lake, but I think I'm mm -hmm. going to have to go with the Matina variant for Swamp Thing. It's a cheap, easy pick, but... Do you know what's weird? Uh -huh. I don't really like that cover. No, you're not into that? No. I don't like the texture of his Swamp Thing. It looks too... It, it doesn't look like plant anymore. It looks, I don't know, it looks like almost metallic or rocky, something to it. it, it's, it, it I just don't like the texture of it. That's the fire that's doing that to it. It's, uh, it's, uh... No, I mean, like, the bit's <laughs> just on his head on the side. It just looks wrong. I, I don't like it, which is rare for me to not oh, like a, a Matina cover. Knock yourself uh, out. What are you picking? I'm going to go with the, the Fornes variant for Suicide Squad Get Joker. Sure. Where the shadows all make the Joker face. I think that's really nice. Best star of the week? Nice ass in the lake. And that's even against my leave. I think that still just about takes it for me. But it's close. It's actually a really tough week because Jimenez, Perkins, Malieve, and Martinez are all... Not not a lot of books, but there's a lot of yeah. good art. <laughs> they're, they're all fighting at the top of their game, uh, mm. realistically. Um... I think I have to agree Martinez for Nice House in the Lake, but it like, like, it's not an easy pick, I don't think. I don't think it's, I... It's not like a runaway winner like we have no. some weeks. It's, you know, if, 
if you'd have gone with pretty much any of those other options, I'd have gone, yeah, I get it. Yeah, all right, write your books. Uh, nice house. Swamp Thing, Batman, uh, Suicide Squad. It's going to be similar for me. Uh, nice house at number one. Number two. Uh, yeah, number two, Swamp Thing, then Batman at three. Four, uh, Green Lantern and five, uh, Suicide Squad get Joker. So it would get Joker's frustrating because if we took out that one section, probably it would. It may still be bottom, but it would still be a sign of a great week. <laughs> oh, actually, no, I'd probably jump a good look Green Lantern if I took out that section. But still, it's a good week. Uh, you know, for, not, mean, not a lot of books, but it was a really solid week. Even for me, not loving that that book. Three out of four books, I I gave eights and up. I'm I'm happy with that. Yes, yeah, it's not not a bad week for for overall quality uh, sake. Uh, so I'll tell you what's coming next week then from DC Comics. Uh, obviously, I expect a bigger week. They're not going to give us too many weeks in a row that are fire. So we have Detective Comics 1041, Wonder Woman 777, The Joker Issue 6, uh, which I'll be doing for Patreon now that I'm uh, caught up in those. Uh, Infinite Frontier Issue 4, Rorschach Issue 11, Batman Urban Legends Issue 6, Future State Gotham Issue 4, Batman 89 Issue 1, which I am trying. There's no way I'm not trying that. I don't even like Tim Burton's Batman. I still love the idea of this book, though. Just intrigued. Yeah. Uh, Justice League Last Ride Issue 4, I Am Batman Issue 0. Uh, oh, wait, we are getting the prelude stuff this month for Fear State. Fear State is next month! <laughs> Just none of them were this week. Retract wait, everything. Is this pre- is, wait, are you sure this is prelude? Yeah, I, I Am Batman Issue Zero is one of the, the the prelude books that was announced with all the other things for oh, Fear State. It doesn't have it on it on its cover, so I'm assuming maybe it's Issue 1 that's a prelude issue. No, Issue 1 starts with the uh, with the rest of the stuff. Because I, I remember this was, this was announced alongside the Catwoman issue and the, the Harley issue that are... Fair enough. I'm just surprised they didn't slap it on the cover then. Unless I'm... Maybe, maybe it is a show I'm, I'm misremembering, but I am Batman issue zero anyway. Is out next week, uh, which I'm looking forward to checking out. Uh, Challenge of the Super Sons issue five. Uh, bunch of those free comic book day things, or at least one of them. Two of them. Well, yeah, free comic book day is, I believe, this ne- next week, fourteenth. Yeah. Um, in the US, uh, and this Batman one, it has Fear State stuff in it. I I, I will say, free comic book day in the UK has been delayed to like the 28th because of diamond being shit basically it, it, that that's the short answer is diamond can get every, all, all the uh, all the free comic book day books together for this week so they had to push it by two weeks yeah but you know digital will come to the rescue so it's fine yeah. uh, <laughs> so free comic book day batman uh batman's gonna do mysteries issue five pennyworth issue one which i could not care less about trying Just that love those fauna's covers though and uh, free card book day 2021 suicide squad issue one so uh definitely a busier week and a couple of interesting things i'm looking forward to trying batman 89 issue one um and i am batman issue zero What's interesting to me is i didn't realize matt was missing next week again is he well the infinite frontiers out so he must be connor with the joke joe that says connor's trying to make this a thing because we teased him about doomsday clock for so long that's exactly it so he's trying his best. The yeah. is that, while good, Infinite Frontier is nowhere near as no. monumental as, as Doomsday Clock was. Um, 
Yeah, so apologies if you, if you obviously people were probably excited for Matt coming back this week. It was just a, a work schedule thing, unfortunately. Um, he should be back next week, I think, and uh, you should get extra Matt because I believe Matt and I are going to do a Suicide Squad review together, which will be on the feed. Um, I don't know when that'll be yet, though. Basically, he said that once he's arranged when he's going to go see it, <laughs> we'll uh, arrange it. when the time. I uh, know if not, no. I'm just I'm just waiting until we're going to. But when I know I'm going to review it, I'll watch it basically. Fair enough. Because uh, I'm not like you know I'm expecting to like it because it's a James Gunn movie. But I, I have to admit, I, I wouldn't say I have hype. I'm just sort of like, oh, it'll probably be good. But I'm just not Reviews feeling. Are all pretty positive. Yeah. But you know what? I... If I can't go and see Green Knight in the cinema, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? I'm so angry about how every every person on my Twitter is raving about how good that movie is and what a cinematic masterpiece it is to see in a theatre. And I'm like, yeah, screw I, you, I, UK distribution. I was streaming the other night and uh, Tyler was mentioned that he he went to see it and he just casually you, Tyler. and he casually mentioned at one point I'm surprised Carl's not seen it yet. <laughs> screw you, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> I know you listen to this. Oh, he knew full well what joke he was cracking there. Um, so this is... Um, yeah, so there's an interesting meet next week. Uh, looking forward to a bunch of those books. Um, Rorschach issue 11 is a big deal as well, because I've uh, been loving that. So uh, hopefully Matt is by next week, because we want to talk about that. So um, yeah, so look forward to next week's episode. Look forward to the Suicide Squad review. I don't know when, like I say, I don't know when that's coming. I don't know if he's seen it at the weekend, so we'll have it up early next week, or if it'll be kind of a later next week thing. But uh, there will be a Suicide Squad movie review for me and Matt at some point. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, there you go. That is pretty much it. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, you can get that obviously one of the higher tiers over at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. But you can support us for as little as one dollar per month over there. Uh, and get some bonuses for your trouble. At the $5 tier in particular, you might like the idea of getting the show a day early. Uh, whenever it's ready on a Saturday, it'll go out uh, as opposed to waiting for that Sunday release. So, you know, if, you want, if you're interested in that, have a look. Uh, and you can help keep all the content coming, uh, both this podcast and everything else that we do uh, across the different uh, YouTube channels and podcasts. Uh, do a lot of movie review content, TV review content. Um, so go and have, have a look if you're interested. Uh, but yeah, the YouTube channels to check out, of course, uh, Mail Fuzz TV and Mail Fuzz Movies. And of course, if you are watching us on YouTube on Comments from the Multiverse, hit the like button, subscribe, comment, uh, all those things to help on YouTube a lot. It is the free way to support everything we do. Sharing us out on Twitter, of course, at DC Comics Podcast is our Twitter handle. Uh, and if you're listening on the audio feed, please hit the uh, hit the uh, the five stars on the review section and give us a give us a review. Like like I mentioned last week, it turns out not just iTunes has reviews. Uh, podcast addict has reviews and i assume other podcast apps might do as well uh so give us some nice five star reviews to uh combat some of the more negative ones that, that i have encountered <laughs> i feel like you should share more of these negative ones i was not that many to be fair but i'll, I'll check every so often if i find any funny ones i'll uh I'll, I'll bring them up but uh thank you very much uh for joining us for the show we will see you next time Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.